less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, huh? Words should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps space today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. in 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of April of the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, mi amigos, mi compadres, is the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, thank you for uh, coming along. Glad you're there. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Wednesday. And uh, welcome to Day 12. My name is Rick Emerson, and I will be your host today. Uh, all right, let me make sure everything's loaded. Fantastic. Excellent. All right, welcome to Day 12. It is 503-733-297. If you'd like to join us today, 503-733-297. You just missed the greatest thing happening uh, just a couple minutes ago. So there's a confluence of events, as Sam Seaborg would say, almost an Aristotelian confluence of events, where... Any one of which would not have caused catastrophe or chaos. In fact, probably two of which we could have weathered. Uh, but three of them all, all happened at the same time. I so, did the best I could with the limited <laughs> knowledge I had. That's the story of my life, Tim Riley. I'm proud of you, Tim Riley. <laughs> I, I tried every conceivable way to remedy this. Just to randomly push When everything button. failed over and over again, I just ran down the hallway screaming. <laughs> so here's what... What happened? So we were, as you know, uh, we do the Rick Emerson recap now, which is from 10 to 11, which is this sort of one-hour distillation of the previous day's show. And almost every single day, I mean, really 99 times out of 100, that is played out of a thing called an audio vault, which is you know, played out of a, it's just like a computer. Um, and it gets loaded in and it just gets played back off the computer. And you really don't have to do a whole lot most of the time. It sort of runs by itself. 
where one segment ends, the next thing starts. Commercial ends, liner plays. No, you don't have to do anything. You just yeah. sit here and watch it work its magic. You just sort of sit there and monitor it, and it you know, and, and so when one segment is over, the next segment automatically begins. None of that messy, panic-stricken dead air. That day was not today. Uh, today, for whatever reason, I was having trouble getting the files to import into the audio vault, and we caught it really early today. I told Sarah, hey, you know, not a big deal. Uh, I have the uh, the recap that Richie uh, made from yesterday's show. I have it on CD. We'll just play it off compact disc. And so I, I give the CD to Sarah. Sarah is playing the recap off of CD. Now, of course, and when I say a CD player, I don't mean like some magical space-age CD player. It's more or less like a CD player you have at your home. Um, so that's what we're playing the recap hour off of, uh, you know, at about 10.58 this morning. At the same time, Sarah goes into the kitchen to get a cup of coffee. At the same time, I uh, am coming out of the men's bathroom and realize that I don't have my key. So I am, once again, this happens to everybody here about three times a year. About every 120 days, somebody here will forget their key. And you don't ever, the thing is, you don't ever really realize it or at least remember it until you're coming out of some place that has you sealed behind five electronic soundproof doors. So you're just back there going, hello, I, for the love of God. And just I heard sad knocking. I'm like, oh, somebody forgot their and card. You're having to, and you're knocking at the door. And, of course, here's the other thing. If you are behind one of those soundproof doors, like let's say if you're me this morning, if if you're coming out of the men's room and you're behind a series of soundproof doors, not only can no one hear you and they can't hear your pathetic pleas for help, like please let me back into the studio so I can do my show, not only can they not hear you, if you're coming out of the bathroom, you can't hear or see anything going on in here. So you don't know when somebody is or is not walking down the hall. So you're obliged just to... Well, the door is way... It's far away. It's as far away as you can get from us. Yeah. Basically, it's in this far dark corner, like, next to all the towers. And you just have to keep knocking constantly, because you never know when somebody's walking by and will hear you. Because, again, soundproof door. So you don't know when somebody's in the kitchen. You don't know when somebody's in the hall. You can't tell when somebody might be standing right nearby. So you just... Just dude, waiting for somebody to notice that you're sitting there knocking at the door like a guy caught inside a mine shaft. So, anywho. So, uh, so I'm trapped uh, in the... It's like that Weird Al song. I'm trapped in the men's room. I'm coming out of the men's room. Sarah has gone to get coffee. And so Sarah... And then as Sarah comes to let me out of the men's room, the CD player gets to the end of the track. And because today is the one day out of a thousand that it's not playing off the computer, nothing else starts. And so there's just dead air. And who should be in the studio trying to fix the dead air but... Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> who has not run a control board since 1995. <laughs> I have a general inkling of how it's done. Just jamming it buttons. And I come in and the, bar- the board's all wonky and they're yeah. like pushing. I turned everything up and there was still nothing coming out of anything. Just pressing every red button you see. Maybe this will do it. And it of course, and none of, them, none of them did anything because at this point, the button you're pressing now isn't even on the board anymore. It's on the computer monitor. So now I know. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have done so any better. I ran down the hallway like a madman. Oh man. Well, look. Here's the, here's the thing. I I am no better, and I am on some level I am presumably responsible for things. And dude, I come in here sometimes, and, and it's like somebody be like, I don't know, we're having some issue with one of the brakes not timing out. Rick, what should we do? And they look at me as though I know what the hell I'm doing. I mean, I guess my my uh, you know my my name is sort of on the door or whatever. I, 
freaking, I don't know how to run, I don't know how to run anything over there. I haven't, when is the last time you had to run a board, 95? Yeah, 95. I have not run, uh, with the exception of like working in a production room or something, I have not run like the way that Sarah does. I have not run a board since, well, the same, 96. So, yeah, so it's been 12 years for me. I only have three buttons here. One is the red on button, one is the yellow off button, and one is an orange cough button. That's me. Yeah, I. it has been over a decade since I've had to operate. And, and let me tell you this. The last time I ran a board, there was some digital technology. We had a horrible automation system called the Arrakis, uh, which was bad and it worked poorly. But, I mean, things have really just, and I, I don't even know that it's that I'm old. It's just not enough to do it anymore, and so I've completely forgotten how. No, I had six cart <laughs> machines stacked up on top of each other and three CD cart players. And so Sarah and I come, so Sarah and I are in the kitchen getting coffee just now. Just, like, chuckling away, like, oh, oh, And in the kitchen, you can't, in the kitchen, you, you have a regular old uh, radio, which means that you're getting it post-delay. But basically, what that means is if you're in the kitchen and there's dead air, you won't know it for almost a minute. Because in the in the kitchen, you're hearing the radio, and it sounds fine because you're 40 seconds behind. You, it'll take you almost a minute to know if something is, like, in the studio, there's just actual dead air going out. So Sarah and I are talking about, so what kind of sandwich do you want for lunch? <laughs> and Tim comes running in, I believe there's dead air. I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> so the door comes flying open. <laughs> and so then Sarah bolts down the hallway, I think, pouring coffee onto Hot yourself. Hot coffee all down my pants. Third degree burn. <laughs> That's what it takes sometimes, Tim. You can't run with coffee. <laughs> and then we all sort of come running in here, scrabbling in here, trying trying to figure out what the hell we're doing. Where's that Bill Pullman speech that we keep behind glass? Oh, man. It's going to be a good day. One of the best we've ever had. All right. Well, anywho, it's uh, Wednesday. Hi. Uh, how are you? Uh, it's uh, Wednesday. We've got Lisa Desjardins uh, coming out today uh, from the Hill. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us later on today. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent James Roop about somebody stalking... Wait, one of the Cusacks. Joan? John, John, John. Somebody's talking John Cusack. Uh, Why? And, uh, you know, I don't really know the yeah, answer to that. Yeah, you're all puffy and unattractive now. Is that true? Oh, I don't you find You lie. It. No, I haven't found him attractive. Um, the last time I saw it with him, and I think it was like serendipity. Really? Like please tell me you, he's, No, please, he's totally puffy. No, I saw... Um, please tell me you paid money to see serendipity. Please tell me you paid full box office to see that. No, I think that. I purchased it on VHS. Did you see him in 1408? No. Okay, I never saw that either. I'm trying to think of the last John Cusack movie I paid money to see. I saw him in... Um, I can't think of the last John is Cusack movie. Is it Identity? Money. Is that the name of the movie? Was they were all in the hotel? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't pay for it, though. No, I saw um, Must Love Dogs. Wow. Must love dogs. That was a terrible movie. How does it movie? feel to be a target market? <laughs> right. I thought it, my mom owns it. I uh-huh. thought it my parents Whatever. Okay. It was really bad, and I didn't watch the whole thing, <laughs> FYI. It was, it was too bad for even me. Um, I can't remember the last time I paid. I mean, I like John Cusack. Everybody sort of does. He seems like a guy that everybody likes, but I don't really see him being stock-worthy. Do you know what I mean? I mean, clearly he is. I'm just, he seems to be one of those guys that doesn't seem, no offense, John Cusack, he just doesn't seem interesting enough to stalk. I'd stalk Joan Cusack. Oh, I, I won't. I mean, I've say anything, like, too many times. Uh, I, I suppose that's true. People who think he is Lloyd Dobler. Mm-hmm. You know he probably fought against that for a long time, too, that he would meet people who thought he was Lloyd Dobler. All right. Um, in any event, so we'll talk to Jim Roop about that. Coming up today, uh, top five. Top five songs that are much darker than they sound. Uh, so I've assi- Where the hell is that? I think I printed it out. I don't know where I put it. Well, I'll find it. Um, we have the uh, top five songs that are much darker than they sound. So we'll uh, get to that. What else? 
Mr. Skin will be joining us today. We have a uh, clown watch coming up today. Uh, I think a geek watch, quite possibly. You know, i got to tell you, can I just really be honest about something? There's a pile of watches over there that are so old they're turning into compost. And so I don't even really know. Tim, what's in that pile of watches? A clown watch. It doesn't really matter if it's old. It's still a clown. No. Clown watch? A Whitney watch. I have no idea if that's even from this year. I really it don't know. From this year. Okay. So we have a Whitney watch. What else is uh, taking up space? A bunch of old Britney stories. All right. So there you go. So we have Britney, Whitney, and a clown watch. Oh, and I have a geek watch uh, that I just pulled right here that I haven't labeled yet. So we'll... Uh, all right, so we'll get to that. By the way, if you missed this announcement yesterday, the serial killer of the month uh, for April, John Wayne Gacy. So. I was reading that on your calendar this morning. A clown can get away with murder, Sarah. Mm. All right. And uh, the last words were kiss my ass. Yes, they were. I like ghosts. I like guys who go out all unrepentant. I don't like guys who start blubbering at the end talking about Jesus and begging for forgiveness. You're going to kill 33 people. It's a, it's a little too late at the end to start going, well, maybe I, I shouldn't have. I in his crawl space? I had no idea. That's just wrong. Yeah. Well, where else are you going to put him? I mean, really honestly. Okay. No, I'm not trying to be flip. I mean, really honestly. If you killed 30, if I came in here today with 33 bodies, where would you put them? Anyone? There's nowhere. There's really you only like you the... stick him in the garage. My garage? Yeah. I guess. And you do that the seven thing of hanging like a million of those little car air fresheners up we there. We could put them in the movie studios. Just close the door. No? Wow. Maybe outside instead. That may be the worst thing you've said all week. And it's only Wednesday? <laughs> no, he said the... Um... <laughs> The Andrea Yates baby shower. We talked about the dead rat yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anywho, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. Oh, and and so I don't have my key card today. So, like a small retarded schoolboy, every time I have to go use the bathroom, Sarah will have to accompany me. So that'll be fun for everybody. Oh, like the hallway monitor? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, here's Tim Riley working on these stories for you today. As we speak, Jefferson High School... And a nearby elementary school both locked down following reports of a gunman in the area. A movie theater on 82nd is put in lockdown after shots ring out over there. Highway 13 near the St. John's Bridge is reopened following a gas leak. That pregnant Oregon woman will be on Oprah tomorrow. That's tomorrow. So that made an Oregon, Oregon man who is pregnant will be on television. So that's tomorrow on Oprah? Tomorrow on Oprah, yeah. Okay, all right. 12,000 Oregonians have switched political parties since the last election. Any idea what that might be? No. An American Idol contestant rushed to the hospital following heart problems while performing. Ted Turner claims global warming will turn us all into cannibals. What, really? Oh, and Robin Williams is hooking up with a 27-year-old Connecticut artist. But she's not the homewrecker. Apparently, he and his ex were living apart for the last two years, according to the Inquirer. Well done, Robin Williams. Did you see? Do you have that um, that Ted Turner article today where he apologized for calling... What did he call Christians? He called, there was some. Oh, I had that yesterday. He apologized. Losers. He called Christianity a religion for losers. Yeah. <laughs> but now he's but now he's apologizing for it. And this is saying it. Not I'm that not, he doesn't feel that. Not way. that he's still, <laughs> he's apologizing for voicing the sentiment out loud where people heard it. I am, um, and I'm not passing judgment on on his observation. But I'm simply saying, like John Wayne Gacy at the last moment, you know, re- choosing not to apologize for the crawl space. Just, you know, plunge on ahead. A de- after a decade, what are you apologizing for? Just embrace it. Just go with it. All right. Anywho, uh, Sarah Dillon joining us today, as she always does. Hello. How Hello. are you other than burned and covered in coffee? I'm okay. Fantastic. No, I'm, doing, I'm doing very well. Wonderful. Excellent. Yes. 
I'm trying to think if I did anything exciting yesterday. And the answer is no, apparently. No, I did not. I went for a long bike ride, which was fun. Excellent. I did not go for a bike ride. Oh, by the way, uh, you know, I, I printed all of this stuff. Oh, here we go. Have you seen this Craigslist posting today? Uh, it is the no, last... I've stopped it. Craigslist broke my spirit. This I'm never looking at it again. This is the last we'll talk about Craigslist because it doesn't show any signs of stopping anytime soon. What is that? What is Craigslist? I mean, I mean, what is Craigslist? No, I, I know what Craigslist, Craigslist is. But you're saying that people post on this. Who would be reading it and why? Now, I can't tell if this is a thing you're legitimately curious about. No, or he's, he's curious. He doesn't I, know. I are you set, are you, this isn't like a talk show thing where you're setting it up as no, a question? No, it isn't because I myself would not participate or even think about it. Now, who would be thinking about such things? Carry through to the next step. And three, care. Well, that's a good question, Tim. Uh, I'm glad you asked, Tim. What is Craigslist? Craigslist is an internet message board or bulletin board. Think of it as well. I'm bringing those along. Maybe you're not up to. Okay. Think of it as like. Uh, wait. How? The Oregonian classifies without having to pay. I was yes. Also that mm-hmm. I was trying to describe MySpace to somebody a while back actually, uh, and it wasn't somebody. It was somebody I think actually. Uh, I don't know, around my age, it wasn't like they were 70. I but I was, like the MySpace page. I was, I was trying to, did you see that, did you hear that Lycus finally got a MySpace page? Oh, really? He did a whole thing about it yesterday. He always said he wouldn't. Uh, but I guess, I think he got a MySpace page for the same reason that a lot of people do. He didn't want anybody else to have a MySpace page that was like MySpace slash Tom Lycus. Mm, I finally got uh, both of my URLs. I was really, because I, I have MySpace, you know, .com forward slash Sarah Dillon. Right. And I realized that I didn't save Sarah X Dillon. Right. And I'm like, crap, somebody could totally take that. Because so. somebody's going to register, I am a colossal whore. You know? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the thing about the MySpace is, even though you, you technically have all these so-called friends, there are only three people who usually write in someone's MySpace page. Like, you really only have three friends who care. They're, they're and, really... and they all indicate what they do every second of the day. <laughs> uh, just uh, wash my feet. <laughs> Just change the garbage bag. Uh, oh, when it's like the store, hi, I'm back. It's like I just had a people sandwich. sitting on the edge of their seat to find out what six people are up to. Like when you I do don't... the status thing, I'm gonna look at them right now. I never changed mine because it says like in the extended network, like is excited for the show. Tonight. Trimming my fingernails. Thanks for the ad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but so, seriously, out of all the friends that people have, they usually only about half dozen write, and they write like several times a day. There are Drew th- is going to New York City. Tara is loving the sunshine. See? Do you ever see the ones that when somebody posts their mood on, on MySpace and you simultaneously are curious and couldn't care less? Right. Like when you like, and you'll see the mood. Like sometimes if mood like happy or you know like sleepy or whatever, that's fine. But then you'll see a mood this like you know perplexed. And you're like, well, why are you perp- What kind of a mood I'm gonna is perplexed? I'm going to get the mood savage, sore, groggy, thankful. Sore? Sore. If you're sore, you keep it to yourself. <laughs> There's no need to be broadcasting it. How putting is it when someone has, like, and says, horny? And it has, like, <laughs> have you seen those? And it has, like, the eyebrows going up and down. I hate those little face things. See, I think people think that pe- other people care too much. Seriously. What is your mood? Do you ever think, like, <laughs> never mind, I'm not even going to start this. Well, the the, the no, problem no, is some people just care too much. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, they care too much, or they think that it's, other people care well, way more so than they do. it's so passive-aggressive, because someone's like, you know, they'll be like, like disappointed. And, you know, it's just like, well, you know, And you know why that is? Well, like, when someone... Or <laughs> people <laughs> like, smitten. That's, that's Tim, that would be Tim's, Tim's, uh, Tim's emoticon. His mood would constantly be uh, uncaring. Disenfranchised. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. <laughs> it's disapproving. It's not my problem. <laughs> and the emoticon would just be a guy like looking the other way. Um, so, but, but and you'll get or people stepping over dead bodies on the table. <laughs> Carrying an umbrella. 
power hosing some blood away. Um, you, but you get, and it, people put that mood up. And did you ever do this? Did you ever get the feeling that when people are on uh, space and they will, they'll put, they'll change the mood, and it's clearly so other people will inquire as it's, to why the mood so has been changed. It's so passive-aggressive. When Please like, ask me about my interesting life. Exactly. They'd be like, confident. Oh, yeah. God. Horny? Really? Really. You know what I... I've never, I've never touched the little smiley face. I, I don't think thing. I've ever set a mood. No, I never... I'm I not never trying have. to be above it. I'm above I'm almost either. nothing. Me but I. But it feels corny to me. It feels like a thing. It make, it Because doesn't it make you cringe when other people do it? And that's the Sarah's mouthing the word yes. Um, Sometimes it makes me disappointed in people. Is it like when you see? Uh, well, we we always used to say it's like when you see AOL.com at the end of someone's oh, name, yeah. like email address. And I'm not saying everybody, because you know I know a lot of intelligent people who change their moods and stuff on there. But yeah. I mean, some of them you can just tell people are being passive aggressive. It's for, for just one specific person to see that this? they're totally. How about this? Please inquire about my life, which I know you'll find interesting in every conceivable way. I have to get to the computer right away to change my mood. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing is. Do you wonder about that? Like, do you wonder, do people make a note of, like, no, we no, no, sound must. Like asses. We need to stop talking about this. No, I think a lot of people have these same thoughts. Look, Andy Rooney made a whole career out of this. Yeah. Um, uh, because, you know, like with my uh, Blackberry, you know, I, Blackberry has this. Not to be all about, like, uh, you know, the, the, the sitting and talking about one gadget versus another, but, you know, I had a regular cell phone, then I had the Motorola Q. Uh, and then uh, CBS just told me one day they weren't going to support it anymore, so I had to get a BlackBerry. Um, and the BlackBerry is really, really cool. And I will say this. The BlackBerry is great because they have, I don't know whether it's in, the, and please don't call about this, I don't know if it's in the BlackBerry software or whether it's web pages do it on their end, but you can you know have Internet access with your BlackBerry, and the web pages show up perfectly adjusted and proportioned to work on your BlackBerry. Oh, that's cool. So you don't have to, like, scroll for nine miles to find something. So, like, with, with the BlackBerry, uh, you can you can alter your uh, space mood or profile or read your comments or whatever. I love that I got you saying space. No, I love it. <laughs> so I so I could be changing my mood, like, every 15 seconds if I wanted to with my BlackBerry. Go, I could have a bookmark, go right there, change it. It is agitated. Well, and it's so strange when you know somebody and you know what's going on in their life, and then you see that they're kind of catering to that a little bit, like whatever they set their mood or like, you know, what their status is or whatever. And also this, how about when you go to somebody's, uh, somebody, you go to somebody's profile or somebody's MySpace thing and you, it's somebody that you kind of think is smart and then you go there and the background is like a bunch of nymphs, like, like, and, and, you know, like, uh, like carrying swords. And, and then they have all the quizzes, like, um, what member of the breakfast Which club breakfast, they are. I was just going to say that. Which breakfast club character are you? If you were a children's cereal, what would you be? You are Booberry. We do sound like dicks. We do. We need to stop because we're not a... <laughs> That's okay. But I, it is, the moon you know, thing really disappoints me. The smiley face emoticon, like... I can't remember the original question. I have no... What are we talking about? Tim wanted to know what, my, what Craigslist, oh, Craigslist was. Oh, yeah. That, that uh, what, faves and raves or whatever? So, that, so Craigslist is... is uh, just to back up for a second. When somebody asked me what MySpace was, I said, have you ever lived in a big condo or apartment building? Yes. And the person said yes. And I said, okay, you know when you live in a big apartment building, or especially if it's enclosed, or at a condo, in the lobby, there's that big cork board where everybody posts, like, potluck in room 905 later today, or, you know, need someone to watch my cat, or flute lessons, or, hey, we're having a shindig in the lobby this Friday, bring your Christmas decorations. I said that that's what MySpace kind of was. MySpace was sort of like the big cork board in, like, the, the, the dorm lobby, where you would post announcements and whatever. And I, that seemed to sort of resonate because because they were mm -hmm. they thought it was just for like hooking up or whatever. And I said no, 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 it's like a thing where you can if you want everybody to see an announcement or whatever. 
Craigslist is, um, I don't even know how to describe it. So Craigslist, I think, you know, it's like a place where you can buy and sell things. That was, I think, how it started. Is I think the guy, Craig, whatever his name is, had a bunch of crap to sell. Uh, I may be wrong about this. But it, he, it's a place where you can buy and sell. But then there are these sort of catch-all message boards where you can discuss, like, books or music or uh, you know movies or, or just or stuff in the community or whatever. So there's this one section that I believe is it's rants and raves, and that is where you it's just a it is just where you can go to either. And they say rants and raves, but no one really ever raves about anything. It's really just ranting. It's really just where you can go to bitch about something and not use your real name. That is, and that is, yeah, and, and hide behind a cloak of anonymity. Everything on the internet is so passive aggressive. It's like, yeah, yeah, like be insulting and be rude or do whatever. Oh, but it's like that uh, that PDX radio. Well, those exactly. Cool retired radio people. Exactly. It's totally anonymous, so you can say whatever you want and not have to like suffer any consequences. I missed the 1970s. I have been unemployed for 17 years. Let me now op- offer my following nine critiques of the Rick Emerson show. <laughs> okay, so, so it's one of those. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Desperately seeking overnight board up job at Air America. Meanwhile, anyway, so uh, so somebody posted this great thing on Craigslist today, and this is actually fake posting, so it's probably gone by now. Uh, this was in the um, looking looking uh, seeking to hire someone Portland Craigslist labor gig. So it's it's in the looking to hire section. Looking to hire. Need bicyclist to bike in my stead and pretend you are me. <laughs> I'm looking for someone willing to bicycle twice a day for a few weeks and get goodies and extras. I am an AM talk show host in the Portland area, and almost a year ago, listeners challenged me to bicycle to the office every day. For each day I succeeded, they would donate $30 to the Special Olympics. However, I am such a lazy, pathetic, slothful slob that even bettering the lives of the less fortunate could not persuade me to get out of the Range Rover and get on my bike more than two dozen times in the last year. In fact, I am supposed to bicycle 262 times between May 14th of this year and last year, and I've actually only done it 41 times. Now, with only weekdays remaining in this challenge, I have earned only $1,200, while humiliatingly lost $6,000 on donations to the Special Olympics. I'm looking for someone who will be willing to spend these next seven weeks bicycling to my studio very early in the morning and then bicycling away from it late in the afternoon every day. You will be provided with shirts and hats with station logos so the people who see you will be able to identify you in brief passing. But you must not reveal that you are not me. (laughs) You must also not reveal that you are secretly my bicycling double, as I want people to think that I finally gained a sense of devotion and conviction to help this wonderful charity. If if you... (laughs) If you do not possess a bicycle, I will be willing to lend you mine. Frankly, it's not been used more than three dozen times in the last year or so. Since I work in AM radio, I can't really afford to pay you anything, but I will give you a couple of station shirts, bumper stickers, and maybe the Dan and Real Life DVD, which Rolling Stone calls the feel-great comedy of the year. Anyway, um, you might even be able to get some, uh, meet some of the famous guests we occasionally interview, such as Tina Yothers or Ed Bagley Jr., looking to find someone swiftly before too many days pass when I have to admit that I'm continuing to screw over the children. You can reach me at 503-733-2970 anytime after 11 a.m. Um, anyway, so there you go. That is the greatest. It's pretty great. It's somebody ever. took all the time to write and post that. So, well done. They're very good writer. See, who says that the Internet's not good for anything? Certainly not I. All right. I don't think uh, we have bumper stickers, though, so that part's wrong. Uh, well, we have, we do. We this is the little, little the rectangle oh, one. Oh, yeah, I remember those. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We need to get business cards, too. Yes, we I do. I feel like a professional. I have business, I have business cards. cards. They're, they're just, they're all inaccurate, though. They yeah. have the wrong phone number. Yeah, on they all say. But who's going to call me anyway, really? What did that number even go to? Uh, 
That, <laughs> that lady who got the new teeth who used to sit at the desk at the other building. Carol? Yes. Did Carol get new teeth? Yes, she did. When did she get new teeth? I think she did. Didn't she fall down and have to get new teeth? Oh, that's right. Yeah, she yeah. had an accident. She got them knocked out. Uh -huh. She fell down on the street and knocked yeah. out some teeth. That story is correct. Anyway, so uh, we all have business cards here, but they're all outdated. So uh, they're nice. Yeah, mine. Yeah, they look really nice. If only, if only any of the information was accurate. If only the number went anywhere. All right. Well, uh, I had some. I don't know what happened. Shall we take a break? Now that we've accomplished nothing. I believe we shall. Oh, uh, real quick. We just alienated half the audience with our snotty talk about MySpace moods. Oh, as opposed to all of the other charming, really inspiring talk about the human condition that we do every single day. Seriously. At this no point, wonder people write mean things about us on Craigslist. <laughs> Seriously, we spent we spent about thirty minutes yesterday. We're gonna, we, yeah, we'll have this talking about the retarded when we weren't busy making Andrea Yates jokes. So really, and everyone's well, I, we will have moments. They're walking in the hall. Saying, We're bad people. We really are. No, there are worse people in here. <laughs> um, by the way, real quick, uh, quickly, don't forget tomorrow. We will be announcing the location for Rick Emerson Listener Party uh, 11. Ooh. Tomorrow we will be announcing the location, and Friday we will be announcing uh, the main event that will be happening at that party. So tomorrow the location, uh, Friday the main event, Monday the world. After this, uh, we continue with Lisa. Emerson Radio Program. I am currently bemused. Uh, 503-733-2970. 503- You make me laugh. 733-2970. Thank you. Uh, you should signify that by putting a large garish emoticon on your webpage. But have it do something kooky like take off a top hat and dance around. <laughs> like in a really bad animation that repeats every three seconds. That has actually made me, like, if, if I've seen a guy that I, that I find attractive and I've looked at his space page and I see some, like, dorky mood, I'm like, yeah. it makes me so not interested anymore. How about the people that go out of their way to either, and I don't know whether you find this or whether you create it from scratch, uh, one of those weird animated smiley faces, but it's doing something crude. Oh, and yeah. I think you know what I'm talking about. Ho, ho, ho. And I'm not saying all moods. Like, sometimes it works for some people, but... I'm just saying. I'm and just look, saying. and don't get me wrong. I am a guy... I do put emoticons in my emails. I'm not going to pretend to be mm -hmm. uh, cooler than I am. I, no, have... I, I, end, I, I have a smiley face problem. I think... Like, it, at the ends of things. I have a smiley face problem. <laughs> I, uh, and I told... And I use... Uh, and I do all of the, uh, the... I don't think it's acronyms, but you know what I mean? Because I think an acronym has to form a word. I don't know. But you know, like the BTW and... You know, whatever. I do all of that. I draw the line at, like, I draw the line at the smiley face that's chugging a beer and then vomiting, though, over and over again, like a thousand times a minute on the page. Classy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, from the hill. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson program, uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you? Hello, how are you guys? We are dandy and fantastic. That's how we are. Just, just tapping your toes. We really are. Uh, a, a, in my head, I am waving sparklers and dancing around while wearing a hat and singing the Star Spangled Banner. That's all. That's only in my head. Let's be very clear about that. Right. Right. Okay. All right. How's your life? How are things? Good, good at Yankov Lane. It's been it's been uh, wild up here the last couple of days, just uh, running around and uh, deal schmeals, uh, uh, craziness. That sounds like a really generic description yeah. uh, that you would give to like one of your parents when they want to hang out and you're trying to figure out a way to get out of it. <laughs> no, 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 it's been wild. There's been craziness and fat cats and backroom deals. You know how it goes, Mom. I won't be able to see this weekend. Sorry. 
there really was an attempt to not have to go into any detail uh, <laughs> at all. Um, uh, all I know, and I'm not going to pretend to know more about this than I do. All I know is that there's something, I swear to you, is it called a little pink book? The, it's, it's the pig book. Is that like, I'm trying to work in a... Trying to work in a mousy tongue reference, but I don't really know. Oh, you know, because it's like the animal, the pig. Oh, I see. It's the congressional. Is this like the pork spending report? Yeah. But doesn't it seem like little pink book? Like there's some sort of there's some sort of communist joke there that I ought to be able to make. I think I think that's right. That's true. Yeah, it's not really coming together. Oh, by the way, I do. Have to, I have to. You're my, big. I don't know. Yeah. I have to issue a clarification uh, on my Indiana Jones comments yesterday. So apparently, uh, and I'm surprised more people didn't catch me on this. So apparently, Kate Blanchett is not uh, a sexy Nazi. Apparently, she is a sexy communist uh, in uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. See, this makes sense to me because I was concerned. I was like, well, they're going to just keep going with the Nazis. You well, know, you not, so clearly, he's older. I think the Nazis would not necessarily still be the, the gang. Well, and especially because after Indiana Jones on the Last Crusade, if you remember, there was that moment about three-quarters of the way through Last Crusade where Indiana Jones uh, literally comes face-to-face -face with Hitler. Like yes. the actual Hitler, Hitler who then signs uh, his little logbook uh, that he uses to find the Grail later on. So yes. there's really, you know, it's not unlike playing Castle Wolfenstein 3D. There's really nowhere to go once <laughs> once you've actually come face to face with Hitler. That's uh, sort of t gone to the mountain at that point. Anyway, so please now to be talking about something called the Congressional Pig Report that, according to the CNN prep sheet, probably isn't very popular on the Hill. With more correspondent Lisa Desjardins. My favorite thing about the pig book is uh, that they've, they've been doing this so long that I think that the truth is many reporters in Washington are starting to get a little bit jaded about this particular is, enterprise. Is this like William Proxmire's thing he used to do, that Golden Fleece Award? It's a very similar idea, yes. Okay. Except it's much more comprehensive. And what, what it's from a group called Citizens Against Government Waste. And this is sort of their big moment every year. It makes sense. And they, call, they do a tremendous amount of work combing through uh, the appropriations bills coming out of Congress. And they, they determine what they believe is pork. And they have uh, sort of seven criteria. And if, you're, if, you're spending, if your pet project meets two of them, then they throw it in the list. And essentially it's if it looks like it's egregious, unnecessary spending, or if it's sneaky, then then they, you know, it was sort of put in at the last minute and really people didn't know what they were voting on. Those are the kinds of things that end up on this list. Uh, but I think one reason reporters are starting to get a little jaded on this idea, not only because we do it every year, but they're almost a little too media savvy. They They actually do bring not one but two live pigs to the National Press Club, for the unveiling of this, it just, it just sort of gotten a little hokey and just sort of a little like, all right, we get it, pork, pigs, I get it, all right. Well, and I think the American public can only, I have this whole, uh, the author, uh, Douglas Copeland, made this great observation some years back where he said that he felt that Americans only had room in their head, pardon me, at any one time, uh, that Americans only had room in their head for one weird uh, European marketing term. And... <laughs> So at one point it was Hagen Daz, <laughs> at one point it was Farfrognugan, uh, and then now it's uh, now it's IKEA, and so there's really only one weird European word that Americans can juggle in their brains simultaneously, and that they can't, you know. And, and once they've got one, everything else has to wait until they're done with it. Right. And I think the American people are that way with a lot of things, such as government pork and government waste. I mean, Please. I think once Americans had in their head, because here's the thing that Americans and the press really share is the love of 
one or two examples that maybe are not even really microcosmic in any way, that maybe aren't truly representative of anything, but that you have in your back pocket that you can sort of bring up to pretend to be knowledgeable about an issue and then dismiss it. And for Americans, that is the uh, study on cow flatulence uh, that was made famous by, I think, Dave Barry some years back, and wait for it, the $800 hammer. And yeah. and so once Americans kind of have those examples, I think they just become disinterested in further examples from the same category. And it's interesting. Now I I almost think that groups like this, Citizens Against uh, citizens against Government Waste, what's happening in the press corps that really covers these issues is almost a recognition that's going beyond this, that this earmark spending or pet project spending or pork, whatever you want to call it, and people can debate that, uh, is significant. They're saying it's $17 billion last year that went to essentially local projects, and some of them you could argue are very needed, bridges, roads, others maybe not so much studying all the fruit flies in France. But, you know, but that's important to somebody. Sure. You could always argue that. $17 billion, but I almost feel myself looking at this issue, it's very, it's very frustrating that many of these projects are so expensive and are hidden, but to me this is not... Uh, really the bigger portion of the problem when we talk about government waste and government spending. This is an issue, but really you have to look at the much broader picture of, of money we're lavishing on our agencies without a lot of accountability for how they're spending it, including uh, the military. Some, I think there was a report out yesterday from the Government Accountability Office saying that uh, the Pentagon has some um, almost $300 billion of over-expenditures and some of those unaccounted for uh, last year, so so really, this 17 billion, very big deal, but not nearly as big of a deal as say Medicare, Social Security, right. or the lack of accountability in other agencies. And you know, it's bad news for groups like this that put so much work into following these congressmen, trying to keep them accountable. It's very important, but it's gotten so schlocky with like with the pigs showing up and. You know, the, being kind of goof, they've got a flying pig well, on. Well, you can't. It's trying too hard. You're, you know what I mean. You it is, and, and that, that should not be a factor. But at this point, and I've seen they're they're way too media savvy. Um, a friend of mine was saying yesterday that she almost dreads interviewing the president of this group because he he whatever state you bring up, you know, say you've got a, a particular affiliate. Say, I, I, what, what would you say to the people of Oregon? He immediately has a little pithy Oregon a soundbite that somebody has fed him soundbite exactly well oh. it's not Canada but it's you know it'd be some sort of vaguely related to your geographic so yeah it's it's really an example of almost being too slick I let me just say also this is a great segue into something that made our it just made our skin crawl yesterday in terms of when you, you really shouldn't be able to see the math do you know what I mean you, you shouldn't be able to see the machinations or machinations I never know how to pronounce that in some of these things yes, and you, you could you could see this really clearly yesterday when Hillary Clinton did that horrible uh, April Fool's Day thing about challenging Barack Obama to a bowling match yes did you hear that yes I mean and it's like don't get me wrong uh, you know there's 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 things about Hillary Clinton that, uh, that I find compelling uh, mainly the fact that she irritates so many people so that kind of that alone sort of puts me in her corner the fact that everybody hates her but boy it's so hard to, it's so hard just not to loathe her when she's doing she's just got somebody has to pull her aside and let her know a what her strengths are and b what her strengths are not and I mean off the cuff sort of actual like uh you know, human uh, humor is not really something that's uh she's not a plus five there, so I think somebody really needs to let her know that so you know, you know it's a shame that that i'm i'm uh, I'm 
potentially getting into trouble here, pivoting off of this, but there's something I've been meaning to bring up. I do have a new theory about the world okay. that I've been meaning to share with you, and it comes out of March Madness, which I suspect you have not been watching. That is a basketball event that of is some kind. Basketball, you dribble the ball, you have to bounce it as you walk. All I know about March Madness is that uh, the guy who is the gatekeeper here, Dave Zinn, who works at the front desk, took uh, some vacation days to go to Reno to gamble on it, I think. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. So that's all I know about. Wow. Well, you know, we've been watching March Madness, and I have. They, they, it seems to me that CBS has even longer shots of the cheerleaders than normal, and they're also closer up than usual. Mm-hmm. And and the cheerleaders honestly are scaring me. And I this is my theory. You can try it on if you should ever watch a sports event ever again. Perhaps your listeners will relate. I think cheerleaders are the new clowns. In what I'm now? I'm just putting that out there. The new scary clown is a scary cheerleader. Oh, okay. In in terms of something that is presumably there to make you feel good or cheerful or whatever, cute, uh, delightful, uh, but then somehow inexplicably terrifying. Actually, right. Actually, very, very frightening at times. All right, excellent. The camera's holding on them too long, and so they're kind of like, yeah, go, go, Blue Devils, you know, in a sort of almost angry. <laughs> go, Blue Devils, or I will claw your eyes out. Yeah. All right, excellent. That actually, t- we're doing a top five uh, later on today. We're doing the top five songs that are much, much creepier than they initially sound. Oh, we go. And so this, so this will tie in really well with that. The idea of things that on the surface seem amusing, but when you look deeper. Are, uh, are somewhat disturbing. Yes. All right. Excellent. Fantastic. All right. I call today 10 out of 10. Nice. All right. Uh, are you on tomorrow? I will be here. Excellent. We will talk to you then. Enjoy the rest of your day. Great. You there too. There you go. CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Fantastic. You heard it here first. Cheerleaders are the new clowns. Excellent. Uh, fantastic. Wonderful. Oof. All right. How are you doing over there? I'm good. <laughs> I made a mess. Yeah, there's a whole lot of sandwich being consumed over there. Um... I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this next thing, so we got Steve Kastamon <clears throat> coming up here just a few. Uh, oh, well, let me make sure to label this geek watch. Um, you saw this thing about the Joker phone, right? Hmm. That's just a, that's a kick in the balls. That's what that is. Um, so yeah, it, I'm not I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time discussing this, except to say. Isn't there supposed to be a new sports talk station in town sometime soon? <laughs> Asses. <laughs> there's a there's a whole lot of mean in the air today. And I'm not Are just, you not angry about I'm, that? I'm not just directing it at you, by the way. No, that thing that Tim said earlier today. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to dwell. Moving forward, uh, so as you know, there's this viral marketing campaign for the new for the new Batman film for The Dark Knight, um, and they we had this guy in the studio, this listener Dan, who found the initial. There was 22 Joker phones hidden all across the country. He found one of them. He told the whole story. It was at a bakery in Beaverton, and uh, it was hidden inside a cake. And we have gotten, and by, by the way, we want to thank our many listeners who have brought by a whole bunch of Dark Knight stuff. We've now, and I'm sorry, I, I don't have it in front of me, uh, because I'm getting, I'm getting the Harvey Dent stuff confused. Because there was the first batch that somebody dropped off, and then there was the stuff that came by yesterday with the other newspaper. That was from Dan. That was from Dan? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I got the two different packages. Anyway, so we now got a second copy of the Gotham Times with a Harvey Dent headline. So, oh, it looks so cool. The listeners have been very cool. Sarah. And wasn't there another viral marketing thing yesterday, Rick? Uh, yes, there was. Yes, there was, Sarah. Uh, well, because you and Aaron are really the ones who are who are into the Harvey Dent, you know, the I Believe in Harvey Dent viral stuff. And Squid. And Squid. So we got this guy, this listener, Dan, who has one of the Joker phones. And, you know, we talked about how he got a call during one of the last midnight movies, according to Fat Boy Day, where there was the sound of somebody being strangled and how he got a text message from the Joker last week and whatever. So I got this email from him today. Mm. Um, hey, all. 
There is another Joker phone in Portland, and it's fallen into the hands of the dark side, he says. Yesterday's global hunt for more phones, this time placed in bowling alleys, included a package hidden at Hollywood Bowl on Halsey. Now, you know the real, you know the real sack punch about that? Is, uh, without being too specific, Aaron lives like, like a stone's throw from there. Yeah. Oh. Aaron can probably see the phone. Um, anyway, when the location was revealed, a number of Portland fans, my wife included, sprinted their way to Hollywood Bowl in hopes of retrieving the package. Their reward? It had been gone for some time. It turns out the wacky DJs from the Radio Playhouse had advanced knowledge. Well, how did that even happen? Advanced, yeah, that's what I want to know. Advanced knowledge of the package's location and had the place staked out. They now have the bowling ball and uh, the Radio Playhouse, that's the jamming guys, they also have the second Joker phone. Their plans? To put it on eBay. He says, I am disgusted with this. Thought you guys want to know what really happened yesterday. Arg, Dan. Oh, there it's on. It's on eBay already. Uh, is it really? Guess how much they're selling it for. That is, is it for a kookily high amount? Thirty thousand dollars. You know, those are those madcap DJ antics never get old, Sarah. Uh, so you know what that is, though. That's totally the uh, that's totally the guy who like gets gets the ticket uh, early to the show that you want to go to, so he can scalp it for like nine million dollars. That's entirely what that is. That's... So how we need to figure out how they have the inside source and how we can take them down from the inside. <laughs> Well, I think someone tried that a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm actually referring to the car with yeah, that statement, by the way. Yeah. Not referring to the other thing. What other thing? Nothing. What are you talking about? So I want, like, I'm, I'm just really wondering who they would know. Do they know somebody's working with the campaign? I don't know. It's, it is sort of curious, actually, because... And, like, if, if someone was working with that campaign, you would think that they would care that... You know that people are so into this, and that they I, wouldn't I, want to ruin it for everybody else. I am sort of, I am sort of interested in that. And again, I let's be clear. I realize it's just a cell phone for the Dark Knight film, but it's still pretty cool. And it's, it's a bowling that, ball and a bowling bag. I'm just saying. How awesome would that have been? I am saying it is really cool, and I know Dan because he already has the, uh, you know, he already has the phone and the other, you know, he got the package and the cake and the whatever. I'm just saying, it would have been nice had it gone to somebody, uh, you know, who was actually into the thing, but. But I am curious about how they would have known about it in advance. And I don't, I'm not saying this so people can call and explain it, because I don't really know that anybody would know. Um, it is, it's sort of interesting. Somebody though. might. I mean, we're all radio fans. But maybe, you know, it's possible that they knew somebody who worked at the bowling alley. So, because the bowling alley themselves must have been tipped off about it. Well, no, because Dan said the bakery didn't know. Yeah, but that's different, though. At a bakery. That's true. I guess a bowling ball and a bowling bag and everything. At a bakery, there's you know you get a, like a million cakes every day and you get a million orders for things and so you just do what's you know what's one more cake that's going to be designed. Um, yeah, so so and so from the playoffs were the first to uncover its location are now in possession of a top secret bowling bag, bowling ball note, Joker card, and so. So what is the bowling ball? Do we know? Is it like a Joker bowling ball? Because that would be too much yeah, for me to it's, take. It's pretty cool. If it was a Joker bowling ball, I don't I even, we shouldn't even talk about I it. I think I'd have to kill myself. Because that would they're really, so undeserving and that'd be kind of the most righteous thing ever. It's really cool. It's a dark. It's like a bright green. Can you thing. have it? Do you have a picture of it? Yeah. All right. Can I see it? Mm-hmm. And there's the bag it came oh, in. Oh come on! I know. Really? I know. Oh, that pisses me off. I know. All right. That's why. That's why the anger's in the air. Now they are my sworn like, enemies. And well, I guess it's legal for them to do that, but it's like it just seems like seems to be violating the spirit of the thing. It sure does. You know, that's like selling Wonka's golden ticket online. That's what that's like. That was the first thing that occurred to me. Exactly what that's like. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, I was caught a glimpse of the stupid playhouse this morning because the guy I work with, and I believe it was through the girl that was on 
The whatever, Bad Girls Club, whatever. Well, there was oh, What's-Her-Name. She's the jamming girl who was on the reality show where it's a bunch of edgy girls who... No, it's a bunch of stupid girls is what it is. Yep. They have pillow fights or something. And so what? So you so you saw it because they do the, the that cable access thing. So what is it? Uh, so you they're heard off, they're off TV. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Cause they're I, off TV. Cause they're, I, they're, they're, their TV channel went off the air and became um, Comcast Sports. Oh, I, really? Mm, you're saying yeah. that their channel? You're saying that their channel became sports? Uh, for the TV, yes. That's so oh. bizarre how the TV channel became sports. That's interesting how the channel they were on became sports channel. That is interesting. And, and I also heard that you're going to be able to get. Sports broadcasting on an FM station somehow. I haven't heard that at what all, is, Sarah. Have you heard that? I heard that maybe odd. sometime, somewhere. I'm not sure. I don't know. Hmm. It's a wild world, sir. Anything's possible. So were they talking about the, uh, the whatever, the phone or the... I only caught it, like, maybe five minutes of it, but I, I believe that's what it sounded like was no. they're trying to sell it off because they may be, um, what's the word, unemployed soon? That's you who said that. I didn't say <laughs> that. Thank you. So thank you. All right, bye That's now. the only thing that would be amusing about it is if they're just trying to sell it because they need to make money. <laughs> Must pay rent. Uh, oh, is this Steve Kastenbaum? Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From New York City, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you? I am dandy, brother. How's your life? All right. Uh, getting getting ready for a couple of busy uh, weeks ahead of us. Are they sending you to, uh, to, to Pennsylvania? It's unclear the way this is written here. Are you going to be covering it from afar? I will be going there, uh, but then, of course, you know, we've, we've got Passover the weekend before, and I do happen to be a member of the tribe. Yes. And so I have to uh, prepare for that. And then uh, right in the middle of all this, the Pope visits, you know, and so we're dealing with the Pope. And, you know, here in New York, we don't have time for this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the third day in a row you've been on the, Rick, I don't know how the rest of the country operates, but in New York City, let me tell you how we do. Were you talking about Boston yesterday, about... What were you saying about Boston, that in Boston they have time to sit around and blah, 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 blah? Not in New York City. Oh, I was talking about uh, baseball. Oh, yeah, that's right. They have time to have animosity. Rick, in New York City, we're busy running the world. <laughs> exactly. That's really what it came down to. Here in New York City, we're busy controlling everything on planet Earth from our center of commerce and art. Perfect example of that. If, you ever, if you're a Yankees fan, you ever go to a game at Fenway Park, they spin on you, they, they throw beer at you. If you have anything, uh, any Yankee paraphernalia on you, when, when Boston fans come here to New York, they get invited to the barbecues in the parking lot. <laughs> by, by, our, by the way, our, our news director, Tim Riley, who is uh, a New Englander, is, um, first of all, was I think was, was nodding his head, his head in approval at the end of spitting on New Yorkers. And, <laughs> and then apparently, and there was, he had a skeptical look on his face when you were describing how New York City treated uh, New Englanders. He, uh, he did not seem entirely believing of your assessment. It's changed. It's no longer the 70s anymore. I go to the games at Yankee Stadium, and I'm disgusted at what goes on. There, there's like... Hey, you're a Dodger. You're 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 a. I'm sorry. You're a Boston fan. You want a you want a sausage? I mean, come on. <laughs> Who doesn't want a sausage, Steve? Um, hey, let me ask you this. This is sort of off topic, but I, this is in the New York Post today. Um, is is Rudy Giuliani getting getting trying to get himself into position to, to come up and take this Patterson guy's place uh, if Patterson gets kicked out? Oh, you know what? I I didn't get a chance to read that. Uh, it, it's very possible. I haven't heard that. Uh, in my circle of friends, uh, and, and of course, I've, as, I, as you can tell, I've been busy trying to get press credentials. Sure. All these no, I, and I, yeah, I don't mean to blindside you with it. it again, it, and it is the New York Post, so you know, take it, take it with a grain of salt. But it, it says here, Rudy Giuliani eyeing a run for governor in a special election this fall. Should Governor Patterson be forced to resign? Blah 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 blah. And you wonder if that's something his people are putting out as sort of a no, no, no. I'm still relevant. I still matter. I like all the variables in there. Should he be yeah. forced to resign in a special election? So, 
First of all, if he was forced to resign, we, we have a pecking order here in New York, so the, so, uh, the Senate Majority Leader would take over. There wouldn't even be a special election. So, yeah, that does sound like something Giuliani's camp would be I mean, but you can tell that in Giuliani's head, he assumes that it somehow just belongs to him. Like, it's just his rightful, you know, it's his rightful position. I have to talk to him and tell him, listen, we don't have time for this now. <laughs> can you just wait a couple of weeks? Fantastic. Um, when do they got you going to Pennsylvania? Um, I'm actually going to go down there uh, probably uh, tomorrow or the day after just to, to feel out the stories there and then go go back on Monday morning for, like, some previews. And then we've got uh, the 22nd as a primary, so I'll probably go down there a few days before that. But right after the Pope's big mass at Yankee Stadium. The Pope's big mass at Yankee Stadium. You know, I have no idea what a pain this is going through the process of credentials and making sure you have a workspace. <sighs> to see the Pope. To see the, what, what's really ridiculous about it is, like, you know, we here in New York, we've, we've got all of our ducks in a row, and, and we, we go to Yankee Stadium all the time. We know the setup there. No, we've got to go to the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops in Washington, D.C. to deal with setting up a workspace at Yankee Stadium and getting credentials and going through the multiple layers of security. Look, we're used to this here in New York. And we don't me, need all this. And let me just say this. And as a, as a, uh, we're coming from a program full of fallen Catholics here. Let me just say that no one cares about this pope. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Uh, the last pope, and I mean the wider world. I'm not talking about the hardline Catholic faithful. The, the wider world doesn't care about, was it Pope Benedict the Thirteenth? Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, he's scary. Uh, secondly, he wears ruby slippers, which I think a lot of people find a little strange. And uh, thirdly, I think the last pope, I mean, people cared about Pope John Paul II, but unless something really happens uh, that is sort of, you know, unless there's some sort of real snazzy pope put in there at some point in the future, I feel like now Pope uh, Benedict XIII, it's sort of like in the later, uh, the later days of Kiss when it was no longer, like when Ace Frehley and Peter Chris got kicked out, and so there was like a guy dressed like an onk. You know, and there was like a guy dressed like a chicken, you know, or whatever. And it was sort of like a version of the band that everybody had kind of quit caring about. I, uh, it wasn't the classic lineup. That's how this pope is. The funny thing about that is the reason he's coming here is because um, the the Catholic Church in Europe sees itself uh, under attack by uh, secularism. You know, there's there's smaller and smaller congregations every day at Catholic churches across some of Europe. So they're coming here uh, to the U.S. Well, they were he was invited to be to speak at the United Nations, but one of the other reasons he's coming here is to sort of give the U.S. Catholic Church a, a pat on the back for a job well done because it's growing here, largely due to the influx of, of Hispanic immigrants. But still, this is one of the only places where the uh, Catholic Church is actually growing. The so, Catholic Church, I think, they, the, the Catholic Church sort of obtains a lot of their members at this point. Really, it just is through through fear and coercion. You know what the Catholic Church is? In my opinion, the Catholic Church is like the spiritual equivalent of that guy who comes by and offers you like protection uh, at whatever your your storefront is. And so the Catholic Church comes by, and a guy sort of has a sap that he's tapping into the palm of his hand, and he says, "Nice eternal soul you've got here. Be ashamed if something happened to it, you know." And and then you sort of feel obligated. So. I, I, I suppose there are some who would say uh, most organized religions are, are kind of like that, that in one way or another. That is true, my friend. True words never spoken. All right, are you on tomorrow? Yes. If, uh, I, if I can get through today, yeah. <laughs> well, you, I know how you people in New York are, Steve, so I know you'll muscle through it somehow. Yeah, I'll be honking my horn all the way home, that's for sure. <laughs> and embracing New Englanders wherever you go. I, there are so many Boston fans now living in New York. It's really disgusting. I mean, you go to a Yankees game. 
and half the guys at Yankee Stadium are wearing Boston Red Sox hats. That's wrong. <laughs> I love this country. I really do. All right, my friend. Have a good day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. So long. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. I love America, and I mean that in a non-corny kind of way. I know Excellent. you do. God bless it. Hey, you should go to the Rick Emerson Show MySpace page. Is that uh, And see what mood I changed it to. Is that with a, is that with a, a V? <laughs> I'm totally going to like do the mood from now on on the Rick Emerson Show MySpace. Is it with V? Yeah, it's MySpace.com forward slash The Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Show. Is it going to start playing something? Yeah, actually, but it's an okay song. Okay. I, I took off I'll pretty just, after I'll, that. Just, I'll just mute it so it doesn't start screaming <laughs> profanity. Uh, let's see here. All right. Our mood is... Oh, really? <laughs> Corny? Really? Isn't that the creepiest thing you've ever is it, seen? Is it drooling? Oh, no, it's not drooling. It's, drool- it's, it's raising its eyebrows. <laughs> All right, that's great. I'm told, I have to take it off now, though. Wait, hold on, but now, hold on, I have to find out what is the... Uh... Oh, of course. Why not? That's great. Hey, did you go to YouTube at all yesterday? Um, to the Muppet thing? Uh, well, not just that. That's one of those things that everybody found out about within the space of an hour. But uh, did you see yesterday that on YouTube, every single one of their featured videos, if you clicked on it, took you to this? <gasps> on their front page? That... Like, no matter what they were labeled or what the screen cap was, no matter what video you clicked on on the front page of YouTube, it took you to Rick Astley. Did you see the Gmail post-dating thing yeah. that they did? Oh, God, I love the Internet so much. All right, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Tim Riley continues uh, with his news around the corner. Stay right there. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503 would like to join us today, yes? I changed our mood again. <laughs> Are we I think skunky? I'm living. You know what? I think I might have judged too harshly. I'm kind of enjoying not having it on my mind. Worm has turned. See, but you should try. Thing. No, see, I'm not going to change the mood, but see, now here's what you're doing. If you're, How many times within the last half hour have you changed the mood on our show MySpace page? Three. So, see, now you're able to do it, but you can sort of keep a distance from it. But I can distance it, it from I don't me. do it on my personal page, though. It's just for a kooky gag for the station. All right, so maybe I can see how people want to change their mood. Didn't you say that one of the choices was luminous? That's what we are right now. I don't even know what that... I don't think that's a mood, by the way. I think that's a state of, you know, illumination. I don't think luminous... I do not think Well, I can change means... it again. Let's go through. What are your options? Um, let's see. Luminous. Would you like to I'll know... I'll L. Listless, lonely, loved, mad, melancholy, mellow, mischievous, miserable, moody, morose, naughty, naughty, nauseated, neglected, nerdy, nervous, ninja, nostalgic, numb. <laughs> ninja. Okay, ninja's pretty funny. What is the emoticon for ninja? Let's what's see. the what's the picture that goes with ninja? The enraged eyebrows. <laughs> is it just with a mask? Yeah. No, it's just no. It's like just a little green smiley face guy. Did you want to be ninja? Sure. Why not? Sure. Final Everyone email. Then we'll uh, we'll uh, go to the Ministry of Truth here, Rick. Here's what the psychological definition of a mood is. And he says, by the subject line, is someone needs to tell MySpace that emotions are not a mood. Moods are long-lasting states as opposed to emotions, uh, and the two terms are separate. One is, uh, one is depressed, not in a sad mood. One can be a good mood and have sustained happiness. The only possible way to have a horny mood would be if you maintained mental and physical arousal for many, many, many hours a day, which would probably land you in some sort of institution. And then he notes... MySpace needs to get its act together. Either that or continue to add all piss- uh, f- uh, possible physical and mental states that a human being can experience, like flatulent, 
Masturbatory. <laughs> Sponge worthy. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Oh, this is just wrong. Mariah Carey is now bigger than Elvis. Oh, I saw that. that no, like in size? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> with her 18th chart topper, Touch My Body. She's filled with 50 pounds of feces. She has passed Elvis for the most number one singles on the Billboard Hot 100. Chris Isn't Paddock. Second only to the Beatles. Chris Paddock came by my office yesterday in one of those. Do you ever get a thing where people can't wait to share bad news with you? People can't wait to come. Guess who has cancer? You know, they can't They can't wait to come by. And guess who was hit by a bus? Just like just what happened to us with the... Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Um, by a bus. Uh, no, uh, someone, I will be very vague about this. Very, very vague. Someone a, a, a sort said of, something. A friend of the show came by and could not wait to tell us about someone uh, who has recently been fired. Couldn't couldn't wait to tell us. So uh, anyway, Chris Paddock came by my office yesterday. He's like, and he did that thing where he comes in, he sits down, and he kind of nods his head knowingly, and he goes, so... See the thing about Mariah Carey, and he could—you could tell from his tone of voice that he knew it would make me angry too. I didn't even know she was still making music, honestly. Uh, her single is the new number one single on Billboard's Hot 100. The song is also number one on the trade magazine's digital download chart, thanks to a precedent setting 286,000 downloads in its debut week. I call—I call BS on that. I call shenanigans. Who what, is a what's Mariah the name Carey of her song, fan? Tim? I don't know. You don't oh, know the name touch, of the... touch me, touch my body. Touch my body. Touch keep, just keep saying it. Touch my body. <laughs> um, she tied with Elvis with 17 number one singles. The Beatles are the all-time leaders with 20. Madonna also beat a Presley record this week, surpassing the King for the most top ten hits with her 37th uh, hit four minutes. 37. Uh, so much to talk about here. So, Touch my body is the first single off Mariah Carey's upcoming album, E equals MC squared, due out. On the Are you kidding me? E equals MC squared? That's what it says. Jesus. It is the follow-up to her Grammy Award-winning disc, The Emancipation of uh, Mary, or Mimi, released in 2000. I thought Elton John was, re- was on that list, too, the, num- the most... Well, he's not the most number one, though. He's the most top 40 hits. This sounds like it was made in, like, 1993. Yeah, it's, it's not very good. But Americans will buy crap all the time. She's looking for a place to pee. All right, let's not play anymore. That sounds really old. Yeah. It does sound like a throwback. It sounds like the G-Funk era of the early 90s. You're totally right. That is a post-chronic, that is a post-chronic, but pre, like, Timberland uh, sound is what that is. And I don't, I've said this about, it needs to be stopped. Here's the thing about Mariah Carey. As I've said repeatedly, I don't know people who are big Mariah Carey fans who are over the age of like 16, and I don't even mean like today's 16-year-olds. Like, you know who? You know, I, 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 and I say this without malice. You know who was probably a huge Mariah Carey fan at one point? Sarah Wagner. Uh, she's a big R&B fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of you know, sort of modern soul. She's really into that. So, and she's a singer herself. I imagine she was a big Mariah Carey fan. But I think Mariah Carey. I don't. I don't think of Mariah Carey as a thing that's happening. I think of Mariah Carey as a thing that happened. Well, uh, she's something that's sold as a product. I guess. Uh, who here can name? How many Mariah Carey songs uh, can anybody here name? Sarah can probably name the most, but I can think I of actually Hero. Can't. I don't know any. I got Hero. Um. What's that song she sang with that other guy? It was a duet. 
That one, that one guy where they sang that one song about getting down and making love. It might have been yeah. And that one that started with the sound. That one. Mm. Wasn't the, didn't she say like a, a, a butterfly song or something? Yeah, I think she did. Butterfly. Butterfly. Yeah. That's it. That's all. I have. And I'm not suggesting it's conspiracy. I am suggesting it's a conspiracy. But then again, you're you're suggesting that all three of us are like everyone in the world. Well, and I, you're not. But here's the thing. This is why, remember for the longest time, and I don't want to reopen the Independence Day argument, but I, but I, I said, I can't believe I'm making, I am comparing Mariah Carey to Independence Day. I said for the longest time that I thought Independence Day's figures were artificially inflated, that the box office for Independence Day of like $140 skillion wasn't real, that they had oh. sort of inflated that. I know it. I know that's there horrifying. Everybody walked out, oh. out of that theater with patriotism in their blood. <laughs> Absolutely, the, Tim Riley. The reason that I speculated that, though, and it was all it was based the most on memorable holiday. It was just it was circumstantial evidence, and I said that it, with the possible exception of the Welcome to Earth, uh, and of course now the in less than an hour. My point was that there were there were no catchphrases from the movie, no memorable lines, and that, and that you couldn't remember the score. That nobody could remember the score to Independence Day. And I said, you know, yes, I. I'm just saying. It is a moving, touching, inspiring speech. Mm -hmm. Okay, but leaving that aside for a second, that all of the you think about the top ten most famous movies of all time. They've all got scores you can immediately hum, a theme you can hum. They've all got a lot of catchphrases. And I said, well, there's something that doesn't smell right here because none of these things are in Independence Day. So, but so it is with Mariah Carey that they keep saying that she's like the biggest selling female artist and she's got the most number ones, but. It doesn't. It seems like if you take any of the other really big artists, and I don't just mean from the old time, uh, like Elvis or whatever, but I mean you, you're relatively contemporary artists. Madonna probably being the best example. Everybody, my mom can name Madonna songs. You know, my mom can name songs by the Beatles or uh, Elton John. My mom can name songs. You know, uh, by you know, like George Michael's another example of that. I don't know anybody that can name a lot of Mariah Carey songs, and so I have always felt that the evidence was strong that she was in some way. Just a record company fabrication, not just in terms of her music, but then in terms of the actual marketing and the positioning of her as a best-selling female artist. I have always felt, my opinion, that those figures seemed really fabricated. It That's also what... says she's had a nearly two-decade career. How is that possible? Uh, well, that might be true, actually, because that would be, what, 88? Yeah, I guess. So if she came out in 90, you know, that's almost two decades, I guess. So... Hey, the record industry is just full of, I mean, Tim, you know, this is full of shenanigans. I mean, just a bunch of like, Absolutely. liars. We would never participate in such no. things. Swindlers. I, well, here's another example. Think about this. That for, I mean, whenever they started doing the charts, 1955, I think, because I'm a nerd, I think 1955 is when Billboard started doing their Top 40 chart. Uh, and so from 1955 until 1990. Six, I think. So that's whatever, 41 years. I don't think there was ever a song that debuted at number one, ever. I think the closest was Hey Jude, which debuted at number two. But I think that for 40 years, songs debuted at number 70 or number 50 or number 10. But nothing ever debuted at number one. For 40 years, that was the case. In 1996, the Michael Jackson song, Scream, Anybody right now, can you sing to me the chorus of Michael Jackson's song, Scream? Don't it make you want to uh, scream? You know that? The one with Janet? Yeah. Okay, do you know the song? Can I remember that the... huge video, like when that was such a huge premiere. Can you hum video? the melody? Okay, so fair enough. So you can hum yeah. the melody. So, it's a, you know, so for 40 years, nothing ever debuted at number one. In 1996, that song by Michael Jackson debuted at number one on the chart. It was the very first song in history to do it. Since then, well, because it made such a huge deal out of it. Remember, they had this like whole like broadcast spectacular, and it was thing. him and Janet mm -hmm. and whatever. 
Here's the thing, though. Since then, there's like 50 other songs that have debuted at number one. Somehow it never, ever, ever happened for 40 years, even when media companies had a monopoly on everything you listen to, they couldn't get a song to debut at number one. Suddenly Michael Jackson did it with that song, and now constantly songs are debuting at number one. And what that indicated to me is that somebody at a record company finally figured out the dollar amount. That's what it is. Is Somebody at some record company finally figured out how many zeros you had to put on a check to get a song to debut at number one. And I think that's the thing with Mariah Carey, too. I think that, you know, somebody somebody there just it, just decides uh, that she's going to be huge, and therefore she's huge. Anyway, here's Tim Riley. And George Michael just uh, released his new album yesterday, 25, <laughs> which has 29 songs on it, 25 best hits, but it does not include I Want Your Sex. You're going to go elsewhere for that. You know, well, that's that. That's and the... four other new songs. One is with McCartney, which is pretty good. Well, even that's that that's that old trick that they know, where you know, that they've been doing for a long time, where they, they put, uh, you know, the, every song but the one you really want on the Greatest Hits album, thus obliging you to go buy some other separate thing. But, of course, that's that's a trick that's not going to work either. That's one of the really the things that really led to the rise of online file sharing mm -hmm. is things like that, where you put out a Greatest Hits record with two new songs or you put out a Greatest Hits record lacking the one song you really want, thus making me buy two records at once. So, uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hello. Billboard, I used to be on the Billboard panel. You were wondering how they get uh, their false numbers. Well, I didn't say they were false, sir. That's you who said that. Well, they are false. They, uh, this is the caller saying this. Rick Emerson is not accusing Billboard no. magazine of any shenanigans. Absolutely not. But as a record store owner, when you received uh, crates and crates and crates of records to scan through, that uh, it's a sound, sound, sound scan system right. that Billboard uses. And uh, they would give us copies as a record store owner to scan through the machine to create numbers. So if they were pushing the records, they would send you 50 or 60 copies for free that you would. Oh, I see. That you would then send. That you would then scan in. Uh, so that's how you got number one. You know, number one in the first week. Yeah, it just it, it is clearly a, somebody figured out a way to sort of uh, set up the system so it would favor certain records, and they they and that's always been the case. There's always payola and whatever, but they got it down to a science, I think, in the '90s finally. So, all right. Oh, exactly. Excellent. Thank you, sir. You bet, bye. Okay. But but do you know how they used to do before SoundScan, which is basically think of it as like scanning in a barcode, which is supposedly supposed to make it more accurate and precise. Do you know how they used to do it before SoundScan? Well, they used to do call-outs to record stores. Exactly. Because I've done it myself. Did you really? Oh, yeah. I was a music director. And so you would call uh, record stores and you'd say, uh, hey, this is uh, John at KQLZ. Uh, what, uh, what are your top five sellers this week? And the guy at the record store would usually, just making it up off the top of his head, tell you what the five biggest sellers were in the store. And then you, Billboard would write that down, and they would put it all together in a pile and average it out, and that's how they determined what was selling where. The irony is that's probably more accurate than the sound scan thing they do now. But All right. And enough radio talk. Here's that, Tim Riley. Uh-oh. Lockdown in North Portland. Our reports of shots fired in North Portland caused officials to lock down three schools. The move comes after several people called 911 around 1030, reporting gunshots at the Park Terrace Apartments, 315 North Alberta Street. Officers arrived. They set up a perimeter around the complex. They determined somebody fired shots from inside one of the apartments. However, after searching the place, they didn't find anybody. No victims either. Officers told a group of people that they should run away from the gunshots. <laughs> really? Yeah. 
Uh, police stopped and detained several people in the area during the investigation. Now we're taken into custody. They decided to lock down Jefferson High, Humboldt Elementary, and PCC's Cascade Campus during the investigation. The schools are no longer locked down at 1130. All right. Hey, Bob, did you have, I don't know if you pulled the story, but did you see that story about those third graders that were planning to murder their teacher? Oh, yeah, that's somewhere here. It's, uh... Third did you not see the story? No. Third graders? I mean, it's uh, obviously something we don't approve of. It's wrong to murder your teacher. But I will say, as someone who roots for the eventual destruction and decay of the human race, really, it's that's that's the sort of thing that's going to get us there. It's uh, it's interesting to see that it's all is going a lot faster than I thought it would. There's, this happened in Jacksonville, Florida. It's unreal. I mean, this is, first of all, if anybody out there is thinking about having kids or maybe you've decided not to have kids, this will solidify your desire to remain child-free because you don't want to be the parents. They get a call at home about, hey, um, so we had an incident with your little bastard kid here at school. This is a, this is a creepy story. This, this is happened a- in Waycross, Georgia. Police have questioned a group of third graders about a plot to kill their teacher, apparently because she scolded one of them for standing on a chair. Our prosecutors told the newspaper nine students are too young to be charged under a crime under Georgia law. However, it was learned that three students are officially charged with conspiracy in the case. Two of the students have also been charged with possession of a weapon. Under Georgia law, conspiracy charges require an act uh, furtherance of the plan. That's uh, doing something other than talking about it. Students include girls and boys ages 8 and 9. That's 8 and 9. Wade Cross Police Chief Tony Tanner said that police officials were alerted last week after a student tipped off a teacher that a girl had brought a weapon to school. Police also seized a broken steak knife, handcuffs, duct tape, electrical and transparent tape, ribbons, and a crystal paperweight from the students who apparently intended to use them against the teacher. Duct tape, handcuffs. Uh, do they? Does it also say in there that some of the kids were on lookout and cleanup detail? No, I didn't see that part. Yeah, that is messed up. The, the other, the story I read about it yesterday. So they had knife, handcuffs, duct tape, packing tape, uh, ribbons. I presumably for more like gagging of whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there were two kids each put on lookout and two kids assigned to quote clean up afterward. So there Those you go. Are third graders. They are America's that is really greatest creepy. natural resource, Tim. Too many video games, I think. Thank God for kids. They're magic. Till they kill you. Uh, by the way, the suspected mastermind was a, a girl. Of course it was. Because they're evil, Tim. Every damn one of them. So students of the, uh, the parents, students have cooperated with the investigation. Who by law can't question the children without their parents' consent? Really? Mm-hmm. All right. Mm. Well, fantastic. Uh... Yeah. Uh, this was a class for students with learning disabilities. <laughs> well, it sounds like they... The, she was they're... scheduled to retire at the end of this year, so she doesn't have <laughs> really? long to go. Just two days from retirement, huh? <laughs> uh, okay. Well, it sounds like they're only disabled in learning certain things, like math. Disposal of the body? They're fine with that. Uh, Rick, uh, about Mariah Carey, here are some of her number ones. In my defense, I did have to look them up. Uh, it's not that we don't know the songs. It's that they all blend together because they all follow the same Mariah Carey formula. Uh, Mariah Carey songs. I still believe. Vision of love. I don't want to cry. Emotions. I'll be there. Dream lover. Hero. Fantasy. Sweet day. Be my baby. Honey. Yeah, these songs all do kind of follow the same sort of formula. Uh, let's see. Rick, are you saying Mariah Carey's been entertainer of the year three years running? Yes, I have. Uh, <laughs> let's do one more and we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. This is Randy in Vegas. Hello, Randy in Vegas. How is life? Uh, well, it's stressful. I've been working a lot. Uh, I... I, I... I get a lot on my mind. Several short recommendations. I'll try to make it quick. Yes. Uh, you're mentioning uh, Mariah Carey. Uh, it was like Independence Day uh, in that sort of 
figures were uh, artificial. Are you are you like belching or something while we're talking? No, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm losing my voice because of the stress I'm under. Uh, uh, that Mariah Carey is artificially enhanced, like uh, independence. Day. I didn't. Well, what what I what I said was I just yeah I suspected that there was a little bit more made of those figures than maybe uh, was real. The same with Mariah Carey. Also, uh, you were you were talking about her new single. You guys played it like three weeks ago on the air. That's not true. No, we played Paula Abdul. No, we played the new Paula Abdul single and the well, new Madonna single. But really, what's the difference? Also, uh, one one. Uh, John I, don't even, I don't even really need to be here for this call, do I? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, uh, a TV series you should watch. Yeah, uh, that's over already. John in Cincinnati. John from Cincinnati. I heard good things about that, but then HBO canceled it, and so I figured, why invest my life in something that's just going to be cruelly ripped away from me? But it's a, it's a great series for what it was. Let me ask know. you this: Does it end on a cliffhanger or unresolved? Um, it. it that's it, a yes. That sigh <laughs> yeah, is a yes. That is. <laughs> It's good, though. You I already don't want to watch Deadwood, which I really like, by the way. He's the same creator from Deadwood. Okay, but here's the thing. I already don't want to watch Deadwood, even though it's great, because I've been told by like a thousand people that it ends on, quote, the biggest cliffhanger ever, and then HBO never renewed it. So They're going to they're fix that. You know what it is? It's like, having, it's like when you lose your keys and you have to walk seven miles home all the way knowing that there's a guy waiting to kick you in the sack when you get there. And, you and know? It's a long slog, and at the end, there's punishment. Last thing. I know you. You don't. You guys don't have a, a a Tommy's up there, which is sad, mind you. Yes. But have, have you have have you a Carl's Jr.? Yes. They have created a chili burger, which is not as good, not as perfect as the real thing, but will do. When is it? They're opening a Tommy's near your house, aren't they? Yeah, they're building it right now. Oh, I can see photos of it being constructed. It's bastard. Does the sign say yes? It is. <laughs> no, I think it's yes, an actual. They do. I, and I think it's an actual real Tommy. It's not like that fake yeah, ass one that they here. Someone put here, a sign on the, someone here put deceived a sign on us. Rick's MySpace. Yeah, yeah, put a sign. Becoming sign. All right. Put, make All right, your, change your mood to hungry. Thank you. That's Randy. Yeah, I didn't even need to be here for that call. That was just I was just sort of an and audience just for that. Moving along. Moving along. All right. Uh, shall we break? What do you think? Yes. We shall. Yes. Okay. Breaking now. Uh, anyway. It's 503-733-2970. And we return more from Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, James Roop, Top 5, Mr. Skin and More Stay There. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. This is by the same guy that does the Mad Men theme. That doo 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 doo, that little descending piano line that's at the beginning of Mad Men. That's this guy. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503 733 2970. 503 733 2970. Here's Tim Riley. That pregnant Oregon man is going to be on television tomorrow on Oprah. That's no man. Well, it's now two men and a baby. Thomas Beatty, <laughs> who used to be a lady. Okay. Oh, my God, I love you so score, much. Score. That's one. <laughs> Thomas Beatty used to be a lady named Tracy. He'll appear in a pre-taped episode of the Oprah Winfrey Show tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Set your DVR. Uh, when the Queen of Talk asked Beatty about his decision to get pregnant, he said, quote, I'm a person, and I have the right to have my own biological child. Who could disagree? Uh, Beatty explained that despite getting a sex change, he still kept his internal reproductive organs. His internal organs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
when his wife Nancy's hysterectomy got in the way of the couple conceiving, Beatty decided to have himself artificially inseminated. He said, quote, if Nancy could get pregnant, I wouldn't be doing this. Trying to make her feel guilty. <laughs> it's your fault. Your barren uterus. Uh, Beatty is due to give birth to a daughter in July. Oh, I see. So it's going to be a daughter. So then we can't make the two and a half men joke. So wait a minute. It says here Oprah questioned him. So are we pretending that Oprah questioned him and this has already been pre Are they filming the uh, the thing where they film the answers and then she asks the questions? Mm -hmm. I can't. She could have done it via satellite, I suppose. I suppose. She could have done like a satellite interview, maybe, or like a phone uh, interview where she gave them the questions over the phone, and then but then she'll recreate the questions on camera. Mm -hmm. the, you know, the thing I keep talking about doing, and I never have, is to bring in some of my old one-sided interview discs. Uh, like, And they're all on vinyl, too. Like the ACDC one, mm -hmm. where it's like, it, it was some guy at KISW, I think, who actually did the interview, but then they gave it to radio stations it, to where you could sound like you were interviewing the members of ACDC, which is particularly silly because... I love ACD. I'm a huge ACDC fan, but ACDC fan. But there's really not a lot to add. Like, what are you gonna ask Cliff Williams? I mean, really, how does it feel to play the same? Or or Phil Rudd, who I think was the drummer at that time. How does it feel to play the same drum beat for 75 albums in a row? No, like, I had that. Remember, I told you from Edward Scissorhands. I have Johnny Depp talking about Edward Scissorhands. I don't think you've told me that. Yeah, it's one of the extra features. I demand you bring it in. Okay, I will tomorrow. All right. I had the. I had me interviewing. Well, not me, but I had a, a one-sided interview with ACDC. I had one with Beavis and Butthead of all things. Uh. And then I had uh, I had one with Sting, I think. And the one with Sting is especially great because at the end, he actually cuts. It was it came on a CD, and it was all of his answers. And it was about that album, uh, the Soul Cages, maybe, with the one with Fields of Gold on it. Mm -hmm. And but it was him going, and then it would give you the, like the little inside card would have what your question. So Sting, uh, how is this album different from your work with The Police? And then he and then you hit hit play on the CD player, and you go, well, I feel like this is really um, more about who I am as a person as opposed to a collaboration with the other artists, and it's really a pure uh, a pure view into what I like musically as opposed to being a combined uh, pastiche of other musical influences. That's great, Sting. So what about, and then you'd ask the next question, but then at the end, the CD came with liners that he had cut, but of course, because the CD was going to 500 different radio stations, they were all just things like, this is Sting, and you're listening to my favorite DJ. And that's all That's all he said. It's like no further identification. I really wish I had that. Uh, I gotta, it, may, it might be in my basement somewhere. i got to go dig it up. All right, here's Tim Riley. I had something similar to that, that I was supposed to be interviewing Garth Brooks. What I didn't know was the the second cut on it was an interview with Mary Chapin Carpenter. <laughs> so I'm, I'm asking Garth Brooks questions about Garth Brooks, and Mary Chapin Carpenter is answering them. Well... Well, I'd like to think that that's fantastic. Hey, do we have a reel-to-reel -reel next door? Do you know? I don't think we have any, any reason to have one, right? Really. Well, you know, there's a reel-to-reel -reel at 3rd, and I don't know if at the 3rd Avenue building, but I don't know if there's one here. Because, you know, I always feel bad that every time we talk about doing commercials, we just play Sarah's Not the Same Mall 205 and your Snowman Eskimo thing. Um, and up in my office, I have a reel that has about 55 different commercials that I wrote and or voiced. Those could get you a good job somewhere. No. Wait, are you being sarcastic? No, I'm not. I'm being factual. <laughs>
Because I know the, the thought process that goes into compiling such a thing. Why did I ever keep those spots? What what job did I think they were going to get me? Because when you're in a small market out in the middle of nowhere, you put all this stuff together thinking, somebody will like something yeah, on here it, somewhere. I can do anything. I guess that's the other thing, too. When you put together a demo reel, it's not just you on the air, but it's like spots, it's jingles, it's little bit, tags you've done. What is it? Well, I tagged a mattress warehouse spot. Uh, because... In a small market, they need somebody who can't look. Uh, can you do an air shift every morning and also be the music director, plus uh, be the production director on alternate Thursdays and make coffee and also repave the parking lot? And if, yes, I can do all those things. Okay, well, we might be able to hire you. Uh, send us a tape. And so I saved for years all of my spots that I would write or record. I don't want to say it's a gold mine. That's really the wrong way to put it. But it's a mine of something or other. It's it's. I mean, there's a ton of stuff on there. Uh, I also have a DAT at home. You know, I got all of this stuff on outdated technology. I got to back all this priceless material up before I can't don't have anything to play it on. I got a DAT tape that is full of all the jingle production I did. Um, but you know, we only have one DAT player here. I don't even know where I'm going to be able to find a, a reel to reel. Anyway, it's too bad because the commercials are terrible. They're really awful, uh, and they all because they all show that I had no writing ability to speak of, even fewer, even like even less acting ability. But I was just, you know, I would just do anything, any job that was offered, because, you know, I would, I don't fire me, you know, and then I would want to keep it all on tape. So anyway, and I never met a commercial, by the way, that I could not make better by making one of the voices a pseudo monster truck rally voice. Like even when the client didn't call for it, what is this? Well, it's a swimming pool store, and so that I'm swimming pool Sunday, and they would all do that because <laughs> I a thought lot of reverb, because you know, I thought that was the mark of genius. Now, mine are all full of footsteps with varying sizes of shoes, <laughs> high like, heels, big boots. <laughs> when people walk, you can hear them. And, my, and people in my commercials are always walking. <laughs> From one place yes. to another. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the store. Fantastic. Boy, radio is great and terrible. It truly is. All right. Really here's is. Tim we contributed to it. No, so I've helped to keep it off of these many years. Well, is, is it true that uh, people are leaving the Republican Party in droves here in Oregon? Apparently, another 3,500 Republicans have switched their voter registration Democrat during the month of March. This follows several thousand Republican defections in February and January. Meanwhile, only a few hundred people have changed their affiliation from any party to Republican. In all, more than 12,000 people have switched parties, with 77% moving to the Democratic Party. Owners will now have three days to clean up graffiti when it appears on their property in Wilsonville, or they'll have to pay the city to do it for them. This is a proposed ordinance. If it's approved... And it is expected to do so. Uh, leaders say the law will help with their, with their goal to discourage vandalism and to clean it up quickly. You're Tim Riley, and you approve that law. I do. Uh, Southeast Portland movie theater was put in a lockdown last night after shots were fired outside. Guess where it was? Southeast 82nd. Really? I was just there the other night. That's where I went to see 21 on Sunday. Hmm. Well, perhaps it was a 21 gun salute. Uh, nobody was shot when police arrived, but they saw some people running. <laughs> My neighborhood rules. Uh, they had baseball bats, and they were quickly <laughs> taken into custody. Uh, uh, okay. Yes, uh, so uh, police also recovered a gun from a nearby movie theater. We're another suspect. So well, you know what's right there is that Izzy's that Izzy's Pizza. Oh, it's a whole hotbed of uh, sophistication. So apparently, they're going to need metal detectors at this movie theater pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, oh, listen to this. This is very unfortunate. Just back on that movie theater for a second, though. Yes. Here's the thing. You would think that there would be less motivation for this because they finally, and I mean really just within the last month or so, started taking plastic. I mean, 
It, I mean, it's a regal cinema, and uh, they did not. Oh, they not, finally do take cards. Yeah, they wouldn't have anything there. Cash. And their ATM charge is like four dollars to get money out. And so they finally just started taking credit cards. We're just getting civilized on eighty second, Tim. Hmm. All right, what's uh, what? Uh, is, I think that they would maybe accept some scrap copper. <laughs> at <that window> again. <laughs> Can I turn in this wire from Movie Pass and the soda? Actually. <laughs> Well, uh, a Woodburn fellow returned to his apartment to find a 16-year-old boy robbing his home in broad daylight. What did he do? He locked the door, secured the burglar inside, until arrest could be made. Well done. When the police arrived, they unlocked the door and took the juvenile into custody. Fantastic. A 5.2 magnitude earthquake hit off the Oregon coast today. Nobody noticed. Uh, dispatchers on the mid-coast said they got no reports uh, of any damage. It was, a six, uh, it was 6.2 miles deep in a 5.2 in magnitude. Well, this is unfortunate. A U.S. senator only paid $150 for a prostitute. And it happened on Craigslist, and she worked in Detroit. So maybe that's why it was so cheap. Wait, hold on. It was a female congressman? No, it was, it was uh, let's see, it was the husband of a U.S. senator. I'm sorry. Oh, Thomas, Thomas Athens, the husband of U.S. senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan, co-founder of a liberal talk radio network. Admitted to police, he paid a prostitute $150. Please, this isn't their America, though. It doesn't say. A liberal talk radio network? Mm-hmm. A liberal talk radio network. Well, you know, network. really, anybody with more than one station at this point calls themselves a talk radio network. That's but, true. So it doesn't, yeah. So anyway, on Craigslist, he found this bargain of a woman for $150. <laughs> and they met at a residence inn. <laughs> okay. It is very disturbing and serious, according to a statement. Obviously, That's it's deep. a deeply difficult and personal matter. $150. $150. I mean, 5000 is too much, but 150 is too little, I would say. Yeah. What did well, your friend she pay, was on Sarah? The Craigslist. Like, I think it's 1000 bucks. See, 1000 that seems, I mean, still too much, but I mean... Some sort of guarantee of quality. Imagine the kind of hooker you get for $150 at a residence inn. That probably didn't include the room. That's where they said. Well, this, to... this was Detroit, where everybody's a hooker anyway. <laughs> Is that their motto? That's Detroit, <laughs> where everybody's a hooker. That's where they go for those USO stuffing parties. Do you hear that PSA playing during the break? Debbie, get down here. The USO stuffing party is in full swing. <laughs> oh, here we go. This platoon of young boys has to ship out in four hours. Come on. <laughs> this uh, this uh, patron of uh, these services is the co-founder of the liberal Talk USA radio network. I'm not sure what I don't is. even know what that is. Well, anyway. Well, they do something or other. He only paid $150 to prostitute in Detroit. Okay. A burglar who broke into a funeral home tried to fool the police by playing dead, but two things gave him away. First, he was breathing. <laughs> do you need a number two? Yes. Secondly, he wore <laughs> grungy clothes rather than his Sunday best to be buried for eternal rest. That is a great idea, though. Uh, if you're going to burgle a funeral home, you do it in like what a What would full. you be stealing in a funeral burgle. home? You, you, you do it in a full... Uh, that is a good question, actually. What would you be stealing? I don't know. Well, maybe if you're a meth head, you steal maybe metal, because a lot of those ca caskets are made of metal, aren't they? Mm. But you, maybe you burgle the place in full suit and tie. Then if the man catches you, you just jump into the casket. Then you got to hold your breath. So, all right. Uh, I think the, are these people calling up because they have reel-to-reel -reel machines for sale? That's what it looks like, or or rent. Uh, I have one in my basement. I think actually, I think I have a reel-to-reel -reel in my basement. It's all dusty, and I, I don't even know if it works. I thought you were cleaning out your. Basement. Oh, those things will work forever. It. Yeah, they'll work forever. I I was cleaning out my basement, but there's this one corner that I haven't gotten to where it's just a whole bunch of. Just a jungle back there. So I, I, I think I have a reel-to-reel -reel player in my basement. There might be one in Joe's room next door. I'll have to look. If I can, really, if uh, if there's a reel-to-reel -reel machine next door, I might, you know, if I feel especially motivated uh, tonight, I might actually even go to the coin building 
and pull some of my terrible commercials off this reel so you all can hear them mock them. I mean, first of all, because I'm like 16, when I start when I'm doing some of them, I think I'm like 7, well, I wouldn't be 16. On this reel, on this reel of commercials that I've done, my my demo reel, I uh I've got let's and you can tell that I really cared too. Uh, I mean, those days are really gone, but I I, I cared with everything in me mm-hmm. because on the front of, on the front of the box, it's done on like station letterhead. You know what I mean? And it gets all fancy and it's typed out and and then later, but you can tell when I stopped caring because I started scrolling things by hand. Like about three two thirds of the way down the page, it's just like a chicken scratch. Um, but it, I was like maybe 17 or 18 on some of the earliest commercials, but I'm doing that thing of like. And you can't really, you do this now with uh, the Pro Tools, but on the reel, I would record it at a higher pitch and then play it back at normal speed so I sounded really masculine and mature. And it would, mm-hmm. it would sort of lower my voice artificially. Um, and Jesus. And they were all for, they were all for like stores that I would know nothing about. It really was for like hunting supply stores and like, so there was, there was some other place where there was, a, God, what was one of them? It was one of them was like, I think endless strip clubs I had to do spots for. So, I mean, just, uh, Jesus, it's just such a dark time. <laughs> just such a dark, terrible time in my life. I uh, I was just thinking about that a little bit yesterday, that I just, boy, I just don't miss. People think back, well, those are the hard scrabble days. You look back on those with fondness later on. No, no, no. Maybe you do. No, not me. You don't miss any of those people. I don't miss. And, any. and you wonder what they went on to do further in life, and who would want them around? Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever like Googled any of the uh, the folks you used to work with? No. Uh, there I are, don't miss any of them. <laughs> I was treated badly everywhere. <laughs> Good for you, Tim Riley. I really was. Hold on to that hate. Um, there were no precious memories anywhere. I can think of. I can think of the no, just a, one. a handful of, of folks uh, that I liked that I that I enjoyed working with, uh, you know, who were who were good people. But but by and large, uh, crap. Yeah. By and large, all of them. I, I, A-holes and mora. I did enjoy my internship, and then after that, when I had to work in the real world, it was terrible. Yeah. But my my internship, I worked at a great station. It was at WRKO in Boston, which was owned by RKO General back then. That is a, that's a legendary set of yep. calls, as they say. Terrific. So, yeah, I had no experiences like that. Yeah, just a just just a whole lot of just regret and hate. Uh, well, okay, here's Tim Rodney. Well, American Idol frontrunner David Cook was rushed to the hospital after suffering heart palpitations throughout his performance. I like the word palpitations. I don't know what exactly what that means. Me either, actually. Is that like a heart attack? Uh, kind of, but for younger people. I think it's like a irregularity, I think. I have a look at irregularity. The singer was treated for high blood pressure before returning to the contestant's apartment where he is now doing fine, or so they tell us. Uh, fans fear for the 25-year-old after he failed to join his rival singers in the audience to view a performance by Series 6 winner Jordan Sparks, who sang her new track with R&B hunk Chris Brown. Uh, Cook has become one of the show's favorites, bowing to the audience... Allowing the audience with his rendition of Dolly Parton's Little Sparrow before complaining he felt ill. Maybe he didn't like the song. Uh, Ted Turner says global warming will cause mass cannibalism. Excellent. Uh, apparently, uh, let's see, he uh, ridiculed the need for the big U.S. military, insisting China just wants to sell his shoes. They're not building landing craft to attack the United States. Even with their $500 billion military budget, we can't win in Iraq. We're being beaten by insurgents who don't even have any tanks. <laughs> Christianity is for losers. Uh, okay. Hey, by the way, just back on that, uh, I hate to do this, but back on that American Idol thing for just a second. Is, yeah. is it like a, because I don't watch American Idol, is it is it a whole 
like Dolly Parton week or night or whatever? I don't know. I don't watch the program. I because they remember they did that Beatles week where that yeah. guy mangled. Uh, uh, no, I'm really asking for it. Beatles there was week. there was they, like a couple weeks ago. It was Beatles week where all of the songs were Beatles tunes, and I guess there was somebody who really, really horribly mangled some Beatles song. So much so How that do you I do that. Well, you suck apparently, right. and then you do an interpretation that's all wrong for the material, and also you're talentless. Um, the uh, and the fact that you're being dr- judged by a drunken Paula Abdul probably doesn't help either. Uh, the idea that you're about to have judgment passed on you uh, by a woman who has to be digitally stretched to look thin. So, but I guess it was Beatles week, and that somebody mangled something or other. So I think this might be all Dolly Parton week. And of course, the horrible thing about that is. We will inevitably be uh, treated to the I Will Always Love You rendition, because everybody needs to hear that again. Mm -hmm. So let's hear this uh, Ted Turner clip. He's uh, being interviewed by uh, Charlie Rose, apparently. Doing it will be catastrophic. We'll have eight degrees. We'll be eight degrees hotter in 10, not 10, but in 30 or 40 years. And basically none of the crops will grow. Most of the people will have died, and the rest of us will be cannibals. Civilization will have broken (laughs) down. The few people left will be... Living in a, in, in a failed state like Somalia or Sudan, and, and living conditions will be intolerable. The droughts will be so bad, there'll be no more corn growing. Thanks for painting a rosy picture, Ted. We appreciate that. You know what? Uh, I'm not saying this. The LA Times. I'm uh, I'm not saying that there's no global warming, but you know what these with the but the things like that where they say. You know, in 10 years, crops will fail. We'll be eating our children. That reminds me of that book, Future Shock, by Alvin Toffler. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Where Future Shock was this book that came out in, like, what, 1971? Something like that? But his whole thing was, like, in 10 years, humanity will crumble. There will never be enough food to feed everyone. We'll be living like animals. Uh, and Seamus actually shares my love for that book. He said that he buys anytime he sees a copy of... He's like Mel Gibson in Conspiracy Theory, who buys a copy of Catcher in the Rye every time he sees it. Every time Seamus finds a copy of Future Shock by Alvin Toffler, he buys it and takes it home. Because the book is hilarious, because you read it now, and it was a huge bestseller at the time. It was the guy, everybody was convinced that we were all going to be dead in 15 years. Because uh, there would be too many people for the Earth's resources, which of course is crap. Um, so, anyway, so that's what that reminds me of when he starts to uh, blah, 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 cannibalism. That doesn't sound at all like Ted Turner. I don't think I've ever heard him speak out loud before. Now you have. I expected him to have a deeper voice, to be more gruff and authoritative. Mm-hmm. He just kind of sounds uh, like a cracker. Well, what are you going to do? Uh, so Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail says uh, she's all for having jobs in America. I believe our government should get out of the business of rewarding companies for moving jobs off our shores and get back to rewarding companies that create high-wage jobs with good benefits right here in Pennsylvania, in America. How could you say such a thing? She sounds like she's on that first voice recording from 1840 from France that they just found. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think she can afford decent voice recorders anymore. Uh, let's see, what else do I have here? This guy says, Rick, I don't understand something about that story, Tim, right, about a robber being locked in the house. How does one lock someone in a house, especially from the outside? A I deadbolt. Yeah, because some of those, some, yeah, I have a friend who has a house like that where you have to lock it from the inside and the outside. Mm-hmm. This guy said, did he take time to turn all the doors backwards so the locks were on the outside? That's like locking in someone's side of car. Okay, but that's where the double key deadbolt comes in. Right. All right. Which I think are illegal, by the way, but which still exist everywhere for some reason. I don't think you're legally allowed to have those, but yet they still sell them. And like you can still, like they're, they're on my house, I think. 
And I'm pretty sure that those are against the law, but they're just maybe they're grandfathered in or something. They could be. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, John McCain uh, was uh, quite comical on uh, David Letterman last night. You look like the guy who the neighbors later say he mostly kept to himself. He's, uh, he's funny just like us, Tim. He has a sense of humor just like normal Americans. It doesn't matter who the Democrats pick to run against him for the White House. Americans want, and I will conduct, a respectful campaign. They're tired of a lot of this mudslinging. He says that uh, pulling troops out of Iraq right away would be a bad thing. Right away, he says. I think it poses a greater threat to the state of Israel because the Iranians are stronger rather than weaker since this happened. I think that if we set this withdrawal, as you just mentioned, a date for it, then we would have chaos in the region. Not, not that good things are happening right now. No, 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 no. Things, are, things are very orderly. Stop the daisy throwing, Tim. Uh, a man is in custody after TSA officials say he had uh, bomb-making material in his checked luggage at Orlando International Airport. TSA spokeswoman Ellen Howe said the suspect came to the attention of a TSA behavioral expert who claims the suspect was acting suspiciously upon his arrival. We were able to catch him long before he got to the checkpoint, and it's simply because these subtle and voluntary behaviors are a little bit different than just your average stress. Wait, who is this? Uh, the TSA spokeswoman, Ellen Howe. But she's talking about what? Uh, some guy that they found with bomb-making materials on him. Like going through the airport security? Yes. Well, okay. He looked uh, all stressed out, but they, <laughs> they have uh, agents who are trained to uh, see that right away. Our officers are trained to look beyond that average baseline stress that we feel when we're going to catch a flight to see subtle behaviors that might indicate greater stress, fear, or deception. That's like a splicing. Did you hear that? Yeah, I don't even know what she was really saying there. Also, this. So when we were on, uh, let's see, this was in PDX going to Las Vegas. So we're in line at the at the gate boarding, you know, getting ready to board the plane where you give the guy, your, you know, they do final boarding and you give the guy your boarding pass. And they were doing that thing of pulling people randomly out of line uh, where they were, you know, pardon me, uh, sir, can we just do a little extra screening over here? And they go through. And we did notice, I don't know, I can't say for other airports, but I did notice at PDX, the people that they pull out of line uh, to do extra screening, that it's it's always people with small bags that can be gone through, like, really easily. That's the thing. They never, Lauren, I immediately picked up on that. They never pick anybody out of line for additional screening where it's going to take, like, a long time to go through their luggage. If you've got, like, the t like, a tiny valise, like, you've got a handbag, they'll do that. If you've got, like, a big-ass backpack or, or something that barely fits in that, you know, your, mug, your your luggage must be this small to, to go on the plane thing. They will never pull you out for additional screening, unless you're Tim. It's always just the guy where they can open up your bag, look inside, and go, well, okay, and you're done. So, in any event. All right, here's Timothy Riley. Here's one of your favorite stories back again. Wait, a favorite story back again. Is it the donkey story? No, it's not. No, uh, cannibalism. Nope. Um, it's what? one of your favorite rants and rave stories. Is it about airline security? No. Is it about TV dinners? No. Is it about how women are different from men? No. Is it about white guys walk like this, but black guys walk like this? No, it, it is of no, a serious nature. Oh, sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why do, why do you tell me these things? Why, did you, why can't you well, learn to preface with like, Rick, here's a horrible and depressing story about children being fed into a mulching machine. Well, That's one of your favorite stories ever. Okay, what is it about? It is about... The teen admits a role in the hoax leading to a young girl's death on the must, the must, the must space. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty great. It was all worth it for that. 
Well, a 19-year-old woman admits her part in the MySpace scheme, which may have led to a uh, death of a 13-year-old girl. The girl mm-hmm. committed suicide. Megan Meyer hung herself in her Missouri home after an emotional online relationship with Josh Evans, which turned sour. Ashley Grills told Good Morning America she was involved in creating the fictional Josh Evans, say here, along with a 47-year-old woman. Grills admits she and a neighbor, Lori Drew, created the account. The online communication ended when Grills sent one last message to Meyer that possibly drove her to suicide. The world would be a better place without you. I was trying to get her angry so she would leave him alone and I could get rid of the whole MySpace. Wait, so this is... I'm so confused. So that's the daughter of those bastard parents? Yes. Is she the... So she's the daughter of the of the two parents? Mm-hmm. Th- then they all created this... They all created this fake... Oh, but can I just tell you that there's... And I won't specify who it was, but there's somebody I was I was talking with some, some time ago, and we were talking about this case where the, the uh, parents and then their hideous offspring created this fake MySpace profile just so they could, like, torment this poor girl who then, like, hung herself in a closet. And I was talking with someone, I won't say who it was, but it was one of those things where we were discussing about it and clearly had different opinions about the case, and I didn't really know that was possible in a case like this. And it was one of those things where you realize the difference in opinion, and you both look at each other and agree, you realize that you're just not going to talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Because the woman... because the woman I don't I was, understand what other opinion there would be about well, that. Well, because the woman created this whole thing, and again, you know, they all you know, to, to, to harass this poor girl who then hung herself. And I was talking to this person, uh, who I like, and this person said, "Well, you know, that girl probably had it coming. She was probably horrible." And I just kind of went, "Well, okay, I uh, let's not let's not talk about this anymore. Let's let's you and I agree not to discuss this any further." Would anybody like to order a banana split? So part two of this, uh, this girl Ashley admits some guilt in the death of this uh, young lady. I'm partially to blame. They are partially to blame. I'm not heartless. I do know what I did, and I take responsibility for it every day. Well, she's in the book. Yeah, what's her name? Uh, Her name is Ashley Grills. Uh, Apparently, well, I know that their address was already published online, and I know the last time I checked, the bloggers were trying to get photographs of them uh, to be placed online so that others in the community might shun them. So So here's Uh. the... uh, the, I'm gonna believe that. Right. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't even want to. But that, that was all there was to it. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's. I don't. Yeah. I just. We don't need to play that. All right. That's just. It, the whole thing just makes me too irritated. Well, a Des Moines pizza delivery driver who was suspended after he shot an alleged armed robber last week said he has been overwhelmed by support from people who cheered what happened. But nobody contacted me directly about a job offer, says James William Spears, who was suspended by Pizza Hut after he found multiple shots at a man who allegedly put a gun to his head and demanded money. Uh, the suspect was arrested and later called for medical assistance. Uh, let's see, it was the first time in 10 years on the job that he'd been a robbery victim. Well, that's not bad for a pizza delivery man. No, seriously. But it is in Des Moines. That, that's like 50 in regular human years. Mm-hmm. It's like working in a 7-Eleven or something. Uh, a nine-foot alligator that blocked traffic on the South Florida Highway will end up on the menu and on store shelves. On a floor of where, Tim? I know. I totally cheated. I cheated. Jump the gun. Sorry. That's like on the showcase showdown when you go over. I know. All right, where, Tim? Where, Tim? Florida. No, see, but no, you're not even allowed to compete this time. Like you already jumped the gun. You jumped the gun with the first one, so you're not even allowed to compete in the second. You're That's so whiny. Like if you get caught modifying your car in NASCAR, you just you can't even. You got to go three laps behind everybody. Play your Florida. Center. Yeah. Florida. Wow, in my face. Yeah. That's right. Laugh at me. 
Oh, I'll show you all. I'm sorry, Tim. What was the story again? I don't know. It was on KCMD Portland, Tim. I know that. Oh. Hey, did you see this thing about uh, Pat Sajak? No, why would I want to? Well, here's why, Tim. See, I like the. I'm, thank you for asking it just that way so I can tell you this. Mm -hmm. This is from Eric. Rick, I was flipping through the channels tonight when I happened to come across Wheel of Fortune. Pat Sajak was telling me. I can't believe that this really happened, but it doesn't seem like it's written like it's a gag. It doesn't seem like it's a fake email. I, I mean, and it would, to be fair. It was sent on April 1st, but I, it doesn't read like it's an April Fool's gag. I, this must, I think this had to have happened. Subject line, check this out. Rick, I was flipping through the channels tonight when I happened to come across Wheel of Fortune. Pat Sajak was telling Vanna White to pull off his fake hair, and so she did. <laughs> Underneath was nothing but bald. What happened next was the most awkward minute of TV I have ever seen. Vanna didn't seem to know how to handle it, and Pat looked like he was just trying to keep a straight face. Thought this might make some good chat. Enjoy. So, Wait, read that one more time. Why would that have happened? He's, I was flipping to the channels when I happened to come across Wheel of Fortune. Pat say Jack was telling Vanna White to pull off his fake hair, and so she did. I Under think this is an April Fool's joke. But it doesn't read like an April Fool's joke, though. That's what it sounds like to me. I mean, the incident, it, the tone of the email, though, the tone of the email doesn't doesn't read like, like somebody's trying to, either that or they just have like an, an odd idea of what an April Fool's joke is. Underneath was nothing but bald. What proceeded next was the most awkward minute of TV I have ever seen. Vanna did not seem to know how to handle it, and Pat looked like, see, it's the level of, the toupee? It is, uh, or perhaps the baldness. You see, it's the level of detail that makes it seem like it's real to me. And Pat looked like he was just trying to keep a straight face. What channel is that on? Four? We don't have a channel four here. <laughs> you I'm sorry. That was, a, that was a bluff that completely fell apart at the, the slightest prodding. Just the tiniest nudge, and that entire bluff just, just came asunder like a flan in a cupboard. Um, on KCMD Portland. We did that. <laughs> so I'm just. <laughs> I'm sorry, I mouthed that. Joke. I can never remember if I've done the legal. Sarah was just like legal. All right. Um. Well, there, me... wait. Oh my God. Did you find it? Hold on. Well, these people may have seen it. Yeah. Richie? Hi, Richie. You're on the Rick. Uh, Richie. I'm sorry. Hello, Jerry. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi. The other thing was thick because you could tell that it was a wig when he pulled it off. It didn't look like his regular wig. And then um, once he had it off, he turned his head around and, and she made him spin around and bend his neck. And you could see that the you know the the, the bald cap that they oh I see so, on bent up. Oh head. I see. So that was so the so the emailer isn't pulling an April Fool's joke. It was that they I should have seen that though. I yeah. should have spotted that it wasn't the the guy uh, the Eric the, the listener. I should have seen that it was. Because doesn't that seem like exactly the kind of show that thinks an April Fool's joke is yeah. the height of hilarity? Mm -hmm. uh, and you could tell you could tell that his wig. I mean, he he either has a you know either wears one and they just were able to, to mash his hair down pretty well. But you know the one that he had on last night after that little segment was much different looking hair than the one good old show. Interesting. All right, fair enough. Okay, thank you, sir. But, All right. Yeah, I guess when I said it's interesting, I don't really mean. I mean the explanation was interesting. The actual yeah, the, the footage is, is really not. Is funny. it bad? Is mm -mm. it terrible? All right. So there you go. Pat Sajak. Pat Sajak, who just... I know that I talk about Pat Sajak a lot, but he just is the weirdest guy to me. You know what's inconceivable is that they gave that guy a talk show at one point. A late, do you remember the late-night Pat Sajak talk show? Everybody gets a late-night talk show. For a couple weeks, at least. Um, 
So did uh, you want to hear the audio? It's short. Sure, why not? Sure. I, I'm asked from time to time whether I wear a hairpiece, uh, and I always joke and I said if I wore a hairpiece, it'd be a better one than this. Uh, <laughs> but I do. I've never told you. I've never told. In 25 years. And I'm tired. Oh God. Living the life. Are you kidding? No. Are you kidding me? I'm going to ask you to unveil. I'm serious. If you reach and pull, you'll see. No. Yes. Really? Yes. You want me to? Yes. That's your hair. No. Let's go. Really? He does look pretty darn bald, though. I feel so pretty. Are you thinking it's not a... You and I can relate. Let me see. In, in a, no, it's a, it's a skull cap. Yeah, no, that's a yeah, that's a fake bald wig. Yeah. I, I feel so free. I feel now that you and I can relate as in, in an honest way. I, uh, wow, okay. boy, that's the height of that's the height of kooky uh, kooky comedy capers is what that is. Now I know what we can do a, a kooky, but we can do it at the listener party, right? Wow, wow. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, speaking of talk shows, uh, Jimmy Kimmel marks a milestone show. His 1,000th episode of his late-night show will be Thursday. So, uh, apparently, last time we checked, 25 million people had viewed his videos online. And, uh, let's see, he recalled his early ambitions for the show. He said when he started out, he wouldn't stand up to do a monologue. He wouldn't wear a tie. Most of that didn't work out. The show ended up reverting to tried-and-true conventions. Is that true? Because I haven't watched the Kimmel show, like, front to back for... I mean, a couple of years probably. I mean, I sort of catch little bits of it now and again. And I, like everybody else, I watched it pretty with a lot of interest the first few months. But here's the, but the thing is, the more he got into convention and the more it became like other shows, the less I was interested in watching it. There was a long line in the middle of America waiting to get into a show. I, I saw it the last time I went down there. It's across the street from the Kodak Theater. Right. And people lined up like two hours before the thing started, all the way down Hollywood Boulevard. You know, it, it really is. It is the price of right of talk shows. <laughs> I, because it, when his show first started, it was, I mean, I hate to sound like I'm knocking Jimmy Kimmel, because he seems like a good guy. He himself, I've seen him, you know, interviewed just sort of off the cuff and unscripted, and he's he's a funny guy. He seems to have a good sense of poking fun at himself. Uh, him and that uh, weird girlfriend of his, and they, you know, was, you know, whatever. And it's good to see somebody who's not a hundred years old getting a talk show. These are all good things. But I remember early on that show really did seem like it was doing things sort of differently. Like he had the rotating guest hosts, you know, because it was like Snoop Dogg for a week, and then it was like Richard Simmons for a week, and then it was whoever. And they had that great thing of like letting the, where they had a bar. In the crowd, and the audience could get all boozed up. I think people have forgotten that now. Oh. That for the first, what, the first six weeks or something, the Kimmel show was on the air, like the audience was loaded. Uh, and I mean loaded like wealth, I mean like, like, like Blotto. Oh, yeah, they got them wasted. Yeah, but you know when that stopped? Because a guy from ABC was there, and one of the audience members threw up right in front of him. There was a guy from ABC walking through, and somebody from the audience was standing up, and, I love you, Jimmy! I just... Like right onto the ground. And the ABC... I guess there was a memo that went up the middle. There was no more drinking at the Jimmy Kimmel show. Uh, and so a lot of the things... And again, the fact that he didn't come out and do like a... Well, folks, uh, President Bush said something really funny today. He... Ba-da-da-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-dum-bum. And they, you know, all the stuff that sort of made it fresh, they sort of uh, they sort of got rid of. So, anyway. Well, whatever. Good. So, congratulations, I guess. Thousand shows. But also, know this movie theater story is changing again. Now, police say a man ran through a Portland movie theater with a gun after a fight outside. So, apparently, they chased him into the movie theater because they had bats. And he only had one gun. So, that's two bats against one gun. Wait, who had a gun? Uh, the people outside. Wait, no, no, the man... 
the man outside who ran inside the movie theater after he got in a fight with guys with baseball bats. Oh. Two people had baseball bats. Oh, where did the One fight guy start? had a gun. Outside the Eastport Theater. Who just takes a bunch of who takes a bunch of bats and a gun to a movie theater? Well, you can never tell when we'll need these while uh, while watching Syriana. Let's all go to the. So they were just standing outside, and then they ran into the theater. Mm-hmm. That's like some. Imagine being in the theater though. You're watching some stressful film, and there's some guys with weapons. Running. So apparently, there were only two people in this crowd. So there was a bigger crowd chasing the guy, but two guys within this crowd had. Bats and only one guy with a gun. So a big crowd and two bats against one guy with a gun is unfair. But none of them. So were, he ran into the movie. Theater. But none of them were cops. No. No. So it was all just proud citizens of Southeast Portland. Was this the East Portland? It was. it was. Well, it had to have been. That's the only theater on 82nd, yeah. unless you drive way, way out there. Well, okay. Well, there you go. So that's what we know so far. Ugh. So if you were seeing a movie. Th- at that time. It's like, well, that's a full-on William Castle thing where the guy runs in with a rubbery ant costume uh-huh. on, you know. All right, Kathy Moriarty's making you sign disclaimers in the lobby. Man, I got to find, that's a, that's a movie open we got to do. Where it's John, you've seen the movie Matinee, have you not? Yes. Uh, where John, uh, John Goodman, as the William Castle characters, half man, half ant, he is... Mant, where he's doing that whole uh, that whole speech. That's, That's a movie that I've always wanted to see since oh, I was younger, and I've never on. seen You've it. Never seen Matt I remember, Day? yeah, every time I would I would see a preview for oh, it, or I'd see it in the movie store. In the video it's store. such a great movie. It's I'm gonna go look for that at CD Game Exchange today. You sons of bitches! I swear to God, if I get there and the guy goes, we had five copies, now they're all gone. I'm just gonna be a reckoning. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go find that today. Matinee's a great movie. It's really really good, and it's uh, it's 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 great on like hundreds of levels. A John Goodman who's wonderful. B Kathy Moriarty who is hot. Uh, C it's about uh you know B movies and kind of the glory days of B movies. D it's based on a real guy named William Castle who was sort of the king of the B movie gimmicks. William Castle will do stuff like um he would have you sign a disclaimer in the lobby. Uh, pledging that your loved ones would not sue the theater if you died of fright, like during the film. And stuff that seems hokey now, but at the time was really kind of groundbreaking. He also had this movie called, was it The Tingler? I think William Castle had this movie he marketed called The Tingler. And the deal is something that you could never do now. He went into the theater ahead of time and he wired up the seat with electrodes. <laughs> and so the movie, The Tingler, was about a monster that like shocks you with electricity. And so at some point, and this is like in 1956 or something, this is in real life. During the movie... You're sitting there in the screen, you know, in the, in the theater, watching the tingler kill people with electricity, and William Castle will just sit in the lobby, or up in the balcony rather, and at certain points you just go, and ah, like turn the crank up, and you kind of go, because ah! suddenly your seat would be charged with electricity. So, and it's set uh, during the week of the Cuban Missile Crisis, so it has that great Cold War retro feel to it as well. So, uh, anyway, yeah, matinee. And the movie he's pitching is about half man, half ant, and it's called Mant, Mant, which is great, which is so good that you wonder why that wasn't ever, like, actually taken. Uh, so there you go. Matinee. Do try to catch that. Here's Tim Riley. So anyway, uh, South Dakota man faces three felony charges after he allegedly got drunk, went on a rampage with a snow shovel at a Bismarck gas station. Tyler Kraft of Timberlake allegedly threatened two other men with a shovel and used the shovel to damage a vehicle, a gas pump, and glass doors at the station. Total damage estimated at $10,000. He is charged with terrorizing, criminal mischief, and unlawful entry of a motor vehicle. I had something else here. Hang on a minute here. We're going to talk to Mr. Cedar. Uh, what would you like to do for some springtime home improvements? Are you short on money this year? 
Well, the Western Cedar Lumberman's Association says outdoor work is often cheaper than indoor work, so improving outdoor things like decks might be a good idea this year, according to Mr. Cedar. Simple projects like adding privacy to a seating area outside by installing a couple of freestanding screens or a two- or three-post trellis to the elaborate deck and outdoor living spaces that have built in everything. Mr. Cedar is a fourth-generation Cedar Lumberman. Uh-oh, here's something new. I guess it's a Britney watch. I'm sorry, I was going to introduce it, but I had a mouthful of coffee. That was ill-timed, I'm sorry. I was trying to swallow while you spoke. I was busy at the stuffing part. Well, pregnant Jamie Lynn Spears will wed fiancé Casey Aldrich at her big sister Brittany's serenity estate in the family's native Louisiana. The teenager confirmed reports that she and Aldrich, the father of her baby, have become engaged by wearing a T-shirt sporting the words, the rumors are true. That is the tackiest thing I've ever heard. Seriously, keep it to yourself. And the couple has already said it's a wedding set, according to Ock Magazine. The publication reports the wedding will take place at Britney's country estate, and the pop superstar is expected to be among her sister's bridesmaids. But teenage Spears won't be rushing down the aisle. She's hoping to become an unmarried mother first. <laughs> as, most, as most girls would. That's what everybody dreams of, Tim. Uh, a source says, I wish I, to grow up to have many bastard children. I expect that she'll want to wait at least several months to get her figure back so she can wear a beautiful gown and have that dream wedding. What is she, like 15? Is that what it was? Something. I guess so. All right. 15, 14. Doesn't matter. Wait all you want. That doesn't snap back, sister. All right. That's you know it's true. All right. There's your Britney watch. Not you, her. I'm just saying. You heard. I can't believe you just used your hands to illustrate that point. I'm just saying she lost it all. Uh huh. Whatever. I'm just saying, you know, that. I'm just saying that, you know, in Hollywood right now, there's like a vaginoplasticist on call who's just you know, sitting by the red phone waiting. Um, hey, here we go. William Castle. So check this out. Uh, for the, uh, so for the 1958 film Macabre, a certificate for $1,000 life insurance policy from Lloyd's of London was given to each customer in case they died of fright. Um, this is, and he was the other. William Castle also did the. He pioneered the filmed in blah 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 vision thing. We had um, House on Haunted Hill, 1959, filmed in Emergo Vision, an inflatable skeleton attached to a wire floated over the audience during the final moments of some showings of the film. So apparently, on the screen, a skeleton would come out of like a vat of acid, and at that moment, he would have some guy backstage like pulling at a clothesline. Up. And like an inflatable skeleton would apparently go out uh, over the audience. There was the Tingler filmed in Percepto Vision. Um, let's see. Uh, the seats in theaters showing the Tingler were equipped with large versions of joy buzzers attached to the underside of the seats. When the Tingler in the film attacked the audience, the joy buzzers were activated and electrical jolts were given to film goers. Jeez. Uh, how about this? Um, Thirteen Ghosts filmed in Illusiono. A handheld ghost viewer or remover with strips of red and blue cellophane given out to use during certain segments of the film. 
By looking through either the red or blue cellophane, the audience was able to either see or remove the ghosts on screen if they were too frightening. Um, and uh, blah, 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 blah. So there you go. So the, the late, great William Castle. Uh, what are these uh, calls about? I can't for the life of me. Is this a guy calling about a... He's calling about a manatee? Man, matinee. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, you know, manatee, matinee, whatever. <laughs> I didn't know what there would possibly be to say on the subject of manatees. Rick, about the friendly cows of the sea. Yes? Um, Hi. I've got, I've got a, uh, a uh, sealed copy of matinee on VHS since it's out of print. So I'd be willing to trade. Is it, out of, is it not available on DVD? Yeah, I tried. I actually had gotten it. It was part of a little anniversary gift for my wife. That was kind of the first movie date we had done when we were boyfriend-girlfriend. And uh, I looked on Amazon. It says it's out of print and not going to be on DVD for some time. That sucks. Copies are going for uh, new copies they have for 30 bucks on Amazon. And so, but you have a sealed copy on VHS. Yep, it's plastic. It uh, still has the uh, cellophane wrapped all around it. Uh, well, it would be improper of me to use station resources to, to barter with you about something for my own personal gain. Um, <laughs> do me a favor. Uh, drop me an email with your contact info. We'll uh, we'll talk. I will do that. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right, there you go. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley. So the father of one of the two uh, PSU uh, basketball players who got in trouble in Mexico and ended up in prison. Uh, Said that his son was released from jail. According to uh, one of the stories, this uh, young fellow named Miga was an intern working at a VIP lounge in Cabo San Lucas, and he ended up getting beat up. A surgeon at Balboa Hospital and Walk-In Clinic at Cabo said doctors performed surgery on Miga because his jaw was destroyed. Uh, they, they had to insert two plates and eight titanium screws. I'm sorry that you're broken up about it. <laughs> That's two plates and eight titanium screws. Uh, apparently, uh, and his other friend, Domingos, was not the one who beat him up, but he ran away from the police, and he got himself in trouble. Police threw him on the ground and punched him because he resisted arrest. I just, I'm picturing Jeffrey Tambor being beaten by the Mexican cops in Arrested mm. Development. Yeah. Every time he gets off, you've got the wrong, bam! I do love the phrase, his jaw was destroyed, mm -hmm. uh, and that they had to use multiple titanium screws. Oh, my God. And two plates from a and donkey cart. <laughs> In Mexico, they just use whatever whatever they find on the ground. They'll bolt it to your face. It's like a license plate, bailing wire, twine, bundle you, of sticks. You really can't go to Mexico and act like Americans. I think that's a lesson to be learned here. No. Um, can I just tell you this? So uh, Apparently, they exercise poor judgment. <laughs> Do you think? People are disheartened to see them put, putting themselves in such a bad position. Who's disheartened? Uh, the people at uh, PSU. Whatever. So, you know, you go down and act like a jackass, your jaw gets destroyed. That's what happens. Um, so, speaking of that, though, and we were talking about my dentist yesterday, and I think there were two things. I forgot all about this today until I heard uh, on the recap. We were talking about Alistair Cook's teeth. So I'd forgotten about this. But yesterday we had talked about this corpse thing where Alistair Cook's bones and teeth had been... It doesn't sound like a made-up story. It doesn't even sound real where they had stolen the bones and teeth of Alistair Cook when he died and, like, sold them into some body part ring. And so there were people walking around out there with Alistair Cook's teeth and didn't know where they came from. We were talking about that, and then we were talking about my, uh, at one time, dentist, who I've decided to move on from. And I had this dream last night that they gave me Alistair Cook's teeth, which sounds like the title of a movie. They gave me Alistair Cook's teeth, filmed in dental vision. And 
And at some point, at one point, I don't remember much about it except that at one point in my dream, I was sitting in my living room watching television, except it was my living room from the house where I grew up, and it was me sitting on television, and Alistair Cook was on the screen screaming that he wanted his teeth back. It was really freaky. I kind of woke up and, ah! and then just went back to sleep. But I remember I was sitting there in the chair at my home with Alistair Cook's teeth in my mouth, watching television, and on the screen with Alistair Cook screaming that he wanted his teeth back. You know what? Teeth dreams mean that you're stressed out. It was singularly unnerving. It really was. It was not a happy dream. Here's Tim Riley. I've never heard about tooth dreams before. No, if your teeth fall out, uh, you're going to lose your job, I think. I thought it just meant stress in general. Maybe. I'm well, not sure. Maybe I don't I... think your, your dreams with your teeth falling out predict the future. Right? Maybe maybe I always associate stress with job. Here's Tim Riley. That could be. A truck driver whose vehicle became wedged under a Boston Railroad bridge blamed his GPS system device for giving him bad directions. <laughs> The truck driver said his vehicle became uh, stuck under the low bridge because he was following a path marked out by his GPS. I use GPS, you know, uh, and he never gets the truck route, apparently. The commissioner for the Massachusetts Department of Conservation and Recreation said motorists should take precaution to ensure the GPS devices are set for the correct type of vehicle. When the GPS tells you the fastest way to get from point A to point B, it may not necessarily be telling you about low clearances for trunks. Well, you know, I have to say this. My GPS has actually uh, served me very well. Um, it, it only once has it really given me bad instructions. It was about two years ago, and it was in Portland, of all places, where it tried to steer me the wrong way down a one-way street. And it was one of those moments where it's like your GPS has become Talking Tina. That's, hey, that's how somebody ought to update that Talking Tina story, where, hmm. you know, you know, where it's, I'm talking Tina, and I'm going to kill you. But instead of my GPS, because my GPS has the cool Australian accent, so it would be, turn left. And then it would just cackle maniacally as you drive right into a Kenworth or something. So uh, I do have a friend of mine who was driving in Seattle with a GPS, and it tried to steer him into Puget Sound. I don't know why, but it was like, find Pier 51, drive straight ahead 300 yards. So here's Tim Riley. Well, Portland Pickles will soon be no more. Uh, this pickle is known as the Nelly Pickle. It advertised it is the great taste of the Northwest on its print label and product of India on the back. How's that <laughs> Not made in Portland. Uh, it is owned by Great Valley Foods of Wisconsin. So let me understand. It is made in Oregon. It advertises it is the great taste of the Northwest. It's made in India. And, and it says product of India on the back. <laughs> and it is owned by a company in Green Bay, Wisconsin. That's fantastic. Well, you see, without this plant, the company says, it no longer needs cucumbers from Oregon. Uh, cucumber growers are notified that they are no longer needed. The company negotiated a settlement with a cooperative that represents 14 Skagit Valley farmers and four from Woodburn. The grower was negotiating a deal. He said farmers could receive more than a million dollars if they'd raise another crop. So how is it that it's a product of India? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they, they stuck them in jars there? <laughs> Maybe. This is unclear to me. Well, anyway, the deal is, if, if you stop raising cucumbers that are that are the great taste of the Northwest, which are a product of India, they'll give you a million dollars. I don't understand. I don't get it. This story doesn't make any sense to me on any level. I don't understand. I don't understand a, a, single, a single thing here. This whole story is a ball of confusion, Tim. I went from pickles to well, well, I demand greater is, clarity in this story. Understood. I insist on greater clarity in the right. pickle story. What is not understood? Why are they giving a million dollars to someone? Farmers can receive more than a million dollars if they raise another crop other than the cucumbers that are used to make these pickles that are a product of India. 
that are the great taste of the Northwest, owned by a company in Wisconsin. Thank you. Does that clear it up? No. No. No, not at all, but that's okay. Is this like you think we can win a million dollars? No, no, you have to be a pickle farmer. But then, but but, but for not growing pickles. I'm gonna start calling right. people pickle farmers. Hey, don't be such a pickle that farmer. That girl's a real pickle farmer. <laughs> that is gold. That's really good. That's you ought to you start using that one today. All right, that I will. That girl's such a pickle farmer. Uh, well, these pickle farmers are being paid a million dollars if they'll raise another cr- crop. What other crop? Any other crop. I don't understand. If they grow, sorry, are they being paid not to grow cucumbers? Correct. Why? Because they no longer make these pickles here. And the cucumbers are raised to to become pickles. <laughs> when, they, when, when these cucumbers when these cucumbers are you allowed to raise cucumbers that don't pickles. become pickles? Right. Uh, okay. Wait. These cucumbers are raised exclusively to become these Nally pickles, the great taste of the Northwest and a product of India. I guess what I'm... Never mind. You know, I'm pulling the eject button on this right now. That doesn't make any sense. You can't pull a button. You know what I'm doing. I'm pulling a button. <laughs> Fantastic. It's too bad Don Taylor wasn't here to capture one of these shows for our article. Today, Rick Emerson is spouting gibberish and making no sense to anybody. Uh, okay. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Let's do a couple more here, and then we'll take a break. So does that make sense? No. <laughs> no, in no way. Well, no. a beauty pageant is being held in Abu Dhabi for camels. 10,000 camels will compete against each other for the chance of their owners to win more than $8 million in prize money and up to 100 brand new cars and other prizes to be given away. These camels are from Bahrain, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia. Uh, the contest is part of the Mosaic Dipois Festival in which a panel of expert camel appreciators judge each age group. Uh, the rulers of Abu Dhabi, uh, Sheikh Khalifa bin Zayed, has sponsored this event for six years and will continue to do so this year. So uh, you could win $8 million if you have the best camel. I, it sounds like it's easier just not to grow pickles. <laughs> well, that is true. Yeah, a little call back there. <laughs> uh, here's a story you'll appreciate, Tim. And then we have an email from uh, an old uh, colleague of ours, and then we'll let the break. Uh, hey, tell Tim this. Last night I spotted a human tooth on the max. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of teeth... There's another, oh, oh, human geez, tooth. Geez. It was lying. It was lying on the turn to Alistair. It was lying on the floor where I was sitting. That person must have been under some stress, don't you think? Yes, I would think so. You have to go to a lot of work to lose a tooth on the max. I would think. Maybe the tooth fairy was mugged. <laughs> yeah, there's the tooth fairy. You get, you get her ankles. I'll get her neck. Um, anywho, uh, our old friend Amy Faust weighs in. Amy. Oh, I remember her. Amy oh, Faust. she's super rad. Um, she says, hey, I actually saw the Tingler in a theater in New York City with the complete setup. Buzzer seats and a skeleton that popped up in the theater while Vincent Price tripped on acid in a doctor's office. Then at the end of the film, when the Tingler escaped into the movie theater, the screen went black and suddenly the guy in front of me jumped up screaming with a styrofoam Tingler attacking him, then ran out of the theater. <laughs> So one of the best movie experiences I've ever had. This is really a good point. She says somebody ought to try this in Portland sometime. That's like a Clyde thing. Clyde that ought seems to do that. exactly like something that would happen in Some Portland. Some full-on, completely immersive theater experience. And then, uh, you find this frustrating? I'm not blaming Amy for this, but when someone is like, hey, also, check out this bitch and attachment I sent you. It's the best thing ever. And then there's like nothing there. She said, here's a sweet article about Mad Magazine that you might enjoy. And your pal Amy, and there's like nothing there. So. Oh, but you'll get a follow-up email. Probably. 
All right, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. Uh, come back, more news from Tim Riley, Mr. Skin, Top 5, and so forth. So here's a follow-up on this Jamaican fellow accused of trying to check in a bag containing pipe bombing materials in Orlando. He said he just wanted to show his friends how to build bombs, like he saw in Iraq. He didn't mean to do anything on the plane. Uh, so this uh, fellow didn't speak to anyone yet, but apparently when they went through his bags, they found two vodka bottles containing nitromethane, a colorless liquid used as a fuel in drag racing. Oh, great. Are they going to outlaw vodka now? Mm-hmm. Yes. Darn it. He had hoped that the liquor bottles would disguise the chemical. Uh, he also had a model rocket igniter, galvanized pipes and caps, two small containers containing BBs, batteries, a laptop, and instructions on how to make bombs. I bet they will uh, start to cry down on vodka because it's a clear liquid. Damn it. I know because I'm Good flying in a week and a half. I can't fly without my vodka. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. No, seriously. I already have my mini bottles purchased. I have my, my little plastic baggie. That'll that be the, the next thing. It'll be another thing that they'll take they'll take from you and then sell you on the plane at like 400% oh, markup. There'll be a vodka line from now yeah. on. No, that's, that's totally... Those with vodka. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there will be like you know, shoes, weapons, guns, and then a special line just for people. Well, I'm hearing. just gonna have to drink whiskey. <laughs> I have no choice. All right, give to me now your top three uh, liquors in descending order. Um, vodka, whiskey, tequila. All right, excellent. Uh, uh, well, we should take a break here. We come back more from Tim Riley. Uh, Mr. Skin will join us. Uh, I actually am kind of looking forward to the Mr. Skin thing because we were la- talking last week about Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights. And he's like, well, Rick, as you know, there's a she did a film like 49 years ago that no one can find, and then we had a listener drop us off, drop it off for us. So I have to brag to him that I actually have a copy of it. Uh, let's see, uh, top five coming up later on. James Roop and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Now I got the worst song stuck in my head, and it's because of Crystal from KUFO. So she's. She's uh, watching a YouTube video of Michael McDonald, and but when I walked by, I didn't spot that it was Michael McDonald. To me, it sounded like London Beat, and so now I've got that horrible London Beat song stuck in my head because they kind of have the, the lead singers have that same helium kind of breathy. I've been thinking about you. That, <laughs> that guy. I love that song. It's not stuck in my head. We must have been so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I don't know what's happening. Uh, later on, I think Fatboy from KUFO is trying to find. He's trying to find the promo. I mean, it's in their system, but everything, everything in the system. It, it used to, it used to be so easy back in back in the olden days. You would just have a cart rack that you just turned, and when you wanted to play a, a liner, uh, you just you know liner you know midnight movie liner. Put it, put it in the cart machine, hit play. Uh, now everything is is in this. Now I sound so old. Now everything's in this computer system it's they've new got. Newfangled contraption. Hard to find anything. So they've got this great promo they're running for their midnight movie, and so he's going to find the cut number so we can get it in the system. And because that's the other thing, you, it's impossible to do with the radio automation systems now. It's um, it's it's difficult to really browse for anything. You can't really just sort of poke around and find something. Like it's you, it, everything has like a 15-digit identification number that you've got to try to use. So, anyway. Uh, all right. So we've got Mr. Skin coming up. The top five. Uh, let's see. What else? I had something else I was going to mention. Um, oh, somebody asked uh, about uh, about the stream. I got an email. This is somebody who's been out of town. Uh, the stream is now up. It's running. It's no longer for uh, just the Glorious Bastards. The uh, This show now streams uh, live. And in, I don't know if it's actually... Is there stream in stereo? Tim, do you know? 
You know I don't know. Have you listened to it by chance? I have. It comes out of both speakers. So, well, there, there you go, sir. This comes out of both speakers. <laughs> Good enough for us. Might as well be HD. I think, by the way, on our webpage, just as like a gag, uh, I, for a goof, I think, I was talking to Bridget, I think we're going to put up a second button that is labeled HD stream and like and have it be exactly the same thing and see if anybody notices any difference. See if we get a lot of this. Hey, this that is, is much, a great idea. This is great. This is much crisper and clearer. I'm yeah. <laughs> glad you've offered an HD stream. I'm going to join the line that searches around the block <laughs> to get my new HD contraption. <laughs> By the way, to speak, my, speaking of that, um, let me just see if I can go there right now and see if it's still up. And then I think we'll have Mr. Skin in a second and more news. We've got the top five, then Roop. By the way, Rick, just to keep you posted right now, our mood is sneezy. Really? Yes. I don't think a sneezy is a mood. See again, it isn't. I, this is this whole thing's just re- seems a little, little too colloquial. Would you ever dump a guy if you went to his MySpace page and he was horny? Would you just be like that? Yes, we're done. Absolutely. Uh, incidentally, well, unless it was a, a joke. Like if, it's, if it's something lit, zany. You know. Like, but if you I think it would depend what he, he looked like. I suppose that's true as well. Um, <laughs> if you go to 970.am, couple things. A, there's a great graphic up. Uh, on the homepage that Bridget from upstairs has made for Rick Emerson Listener Party 11. Um, it's, I don't get too far into it. Just say it's a, it's you know it looks like a, like a poker table, like for the top down view of a poker table, like poker. a like a whole. <laughs> that one really requires that I uh, thank you, Tim. I, I barely knew her. Huh? <laughs> um, but the, the cards are going to be turned over, uh, great Malenko style, uh, to sort of reveal different things about the party. Right now, only one card is turned over and has the date, Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. Tomorrow, uh, the location card will be turned over, and then on and on until the break of dawn. Mowing down MC is like I was mowing a lawn. Anywho, before we get to Mr. Skip, you're ashamed of yourself. <laughs> let me, I don't even know what I was going to say now. Oh, except this. If you go to the, the AM970 page, let me go there now. Uh, I'm starting to preach about this. If you go to the 970 page, you go in and there's you know there's all the stuff about the stream and here's here's the 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 host and here's a link to the podcast and I'm killing time right now waiting for the page to load. But if you scroll all the way to the bottom, there is that big let's see where did it go? Here's the, the big HD button at the bottom where you click and it's click here to learn more about the exciting world of HD radio. So raise your hand in this room if you've clicked on the button at the bottom of our page to learn more about HD radio. Anyone? Not no. yet. I've been awful busy lately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is on my list of things I to learn about. I've got all this gardening to do. I don't think I can go on with my life until I learn more about HD. <laughs> the, the best part is, and then we'll get to Mr. Skin in like 10 seconds, if you, if, you, if you click on the HD radio thing, it takes you to a big page all about HD radio, and then they list all of the many, many, many uh, HD radio stations that you can listen to here in and it's market specific. You click on the button, it lists. My HD radio makes me feel sorry for my car. Oh, I got. I'm sorry, I got to close that. Yeah, that's trying to talk bad. to me. If you click on the button though, it gives you a list of all the exciting HD radio stations there are in Portland. Not one of them a CBS station. <laughs> it gives you many, many, many like Intercom and Clear Channel stations to listen to. All, all of the CBS stations. No. No. That's super go. cool. So put up, is that new? I'm glad that's on our front page, by the way, so we can direct people to the many Intercom and Clear Channel HD streams that are out there. Well done. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't wait to try HD radio. That's, <laughs> that's advertising expertise. Can we have a banner on the front page? This is not Bridget's fault, by the way, I should say this. Can we have a banner on the front page of our site that directs people to the HD streams of our competitors while listing nothing of our own? <laughs> 
That's the kind of uh, that's the kind of shrewd advertising acumen one only gets from the CBS Radio Online division. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, a man who knows a thing or two about marketing. Mr. Skin, hello, sir. Hey, Rick, how's it going? Going, uh, going very well. Let me say this: you and I talked last week about Tammy Taylor. Britain. About who? Oh, okay, go ahead. Uh, now, well, so now, have I gotten it wrong? Is Tammy Taylor somebody else? Yes, because I thought you were asking me the actual actress, Tammy Taylor. You were asking me about Connie Britton. I figured it out after I did the show. Okay, so now let's back up. For those who know what I'm talking about, she's the mom on Friday Night Lights on whom I have kind of a crush. So, right. and I have bad news for you. She's never done a nude scene. Well, that's just wrong. Yeah, I know. Don't kill the messenger. She's in her early 40s, so hopefully, or I think she's just turned 40, so. Um, uh, there's still you know, time, though. There's still time. I mean, uh, Marissa Tomei did her best nudity in her, when she was 40, 42 or 3, so there's still time. But uh, when you asked me, um, Tammy Taylor, I thought you were asking me, there's actually an actress from the 70s named Tammy Taylor. That's what screwed me up. Now, here's the weird thing about this. So Tammy Taylor, which, of course, is the character's name, we kind of had our wires crossed there, but the great thing about it is, you said, well, hey, Tammy Taylor did this nude scene when she was 18. Uh, what was the movie called? Beverly Hills? Oh, I did. Oh, uh, something. The, oh for ta- it was, uh, no, it was called uh, Malibu High. Malibu High. Here's the great thing about it. Literally within 24 hours, a listener had found that movie somewhere on VHS and had burned it to DVD and dropped it off at the front desk for Oh, me. how great. And I feel terrible that we had our signals crossed because you were saying Tammy Taylor. I thought you were yeah. asking me the actual actress. So I'm just saying, I know that you were looking uh, for that Tammy Taylor film. You ever want a copy? You just talked to Rick Yeah, you know what? Now I need one because we don't have that. that uh, I, I should grab that from you because we don't yeah. have the pics and clips from Malibu Hyatt or at, uh, at some point, yeah, just, uh, drop me a mailing address or whatever. I'll get that no in the mail No problem. To you. I really appreciate how funny is that. Excellent. That's great. What's up at MrSkin.com? Well, I want everyone to know that, that Leatherhead's open in theaters, the George Clooney movie this Friday. It's uh, PG-13, and um, it's about back in the day when guys wore, played football, but just with the leather leather uh, helmets. Uh, they were called leatherheads, uh, no face masks or anything. Uh, the main girl in the movie is Renee Zellweger, so that should be a good sign that there's not going to be any skin. She just is one of those actresses that got, when she was early in her career before she was famous, she never did a nude scene. Now she's too famous. I don't think she's going to be uh, naked, but we'll see. Uh, but no nudity in Leatherheads, which opens in theaters on Friday. There is a movie in limited release opening Friday called Sex and Death 101, and it's kind of good news if you're a Winona Ryder fan and uh, always wanted to know what she looks like topless. And um, we're finally going to see. And uh, she has a scene in bed with a guy, and it's brief, but you, you see her topless. She had a movie called Autumn in New York with Richard Gere a few years ago where we found a nip slip at the one hour and 23 minute mark, but uh, but that's nothing compared to this scene, and uh, I know a lot of guys uh, like Winona Ryder and will be very happy to know she's nude. The movie's is, called Sex and Death 101. Is Autumn in New York that thing where, like, one of them has cancer and they only yeah, have three really months like, to live? And, it's yeah. a total chick flick, yeah. but... Uh, you just have to fast forward to the hour and 23 minutes. Excellent. Market. Done but, and done. Yeah, and uh, I also wanted to mention, uh, you know, you've seen all these movies coming out on Blu-ray. As an example this week, uh, Artie Lang's Beer League is out on uh, Blu-ray. It's a softball movie, and all that Blu-ray means is you get maybe a more crystal clear, high-definition look at the strippers or whatever in the movie. But we did a cool test here at the office with uh, – Blu-ray with the um, Sharon Stone Basic Instinct scene, and I got to tell you, in some instances, Blu-ray is going to be a great boom for fans of celebrity skin. We've, uh, uh, it, it just you watch that scene in Blu-ray, and it's uh, whole new developments uh, uh, there. So, uh, very excited about that. And then uh, 
Finally, I wanted to mention that on DVD this week for the first time is the 1987 cult classic, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Yeah. Remember that from their days watching cable TV. And uh, the, the main girl in that's named Wendy Lyon. And uh, about an hour and five minutes in, she did Prom Night 2, one of my favorites, out for the first time on DVD this week. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. As right, always, Rick, a pleasure. Care. Talk okay. to you next week. There you go, Mr. Skin. I let's, cannot believe you said that. Let's move on. Let's, we, bleeped, we bleeped something there. No, I'm not going to say the it. The word crotch like, is unpleasant enough. Yeah, but, and then adding that other word. Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. I haven't thought about that forever. Uh, I just remember that this cheesy-ass video store where I used to go when I was a teenager, where the felon would rent us anything, they had a huge poster for that right next to the porn section. Good times. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Oh. Ah. Now, from the Ministry of Truth, Sam. this is Tim Riley. From Atlantic comes word that Judge Marvin Arrington said he intended nothing racist when he ordered white lawyers out of his courtroom while he lectured black defendants. Uh, the judge, who was an African-American, ordered the lawyers from the courtroom to get out. <laughs> Why'd he leave? He walked into a courtroom and he saw a crowd who appeared to be 99.9% black. He said he decided to talk privately with the suspects. I don't want to appear condescending to the white people talking down to them, he said. <laughs> To the poor, poor white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, he said, uh, in retrospect, segregating the courtroom for those few <laughs> minutes was a mistake. In retrospect, I believe that segregation may have been ill-advised. He said, in the future, he'll invite everyone to come on in and listen. <laughs> everyone can be lectured equally, including the white man. Uh, all right. Oh, by the way, you want to hear this? Tim, you'll appreciate this. So, you know, uh, this coming Friday, the midnight movie the court and Fadboy are doing is Anchorman. Oh, one of my favorites. The Legend of Ron Burgundy. So check out this promo. This is a promo. uh, We're not going to break here, but this is a promo we'll play. This is a promo running on KUFO for the Court and Fat Boy uh, Midnight Movie this Friday, which is Anchorman. Hi, I'm Joe Donlan. You probably know me from News Channel 8. I'm kind of a big deal. Sure, I co-anchor with a couple of the ladies, but let's be real here. My goal is to take the broad out of broadcasting. It's old school with me, like the age when only men were allowed to read the news. Men like Ron Burgundy. The Human Torch was denied a bank loan. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you come in. I'm KGW News Channel 8 Chief Meteorologist Matt Safino. You can see for yourself how influential Ron Burgundy was at Court and Fat Boy's Midnight Movie for April when they show Anchorman on the big screen at the Baghdad Theater. Hi, I'm Russ Lewis from News Channel 8 at Sunrise. And don't forget to bring a lady to Anchorman on Friday because when it comes to Court and Fat Boy's Midnight Movie, 60% of the time... It works every time. Ford and Fatboy present Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy, in a theater that not only serves beer and tater tots, but also scotchies, scotch, scotch. Plus, you'll hear me, Bill Curtis, as the narrator of the story, and I am the ball. Brought to you by Cricket Wireless, the Hotbox, and the Rock of Portland, 101 KUFO. How cool is that? That, that is, cool. is amazing. Bill Curtis. Wow. And they got Bill Curtis to say, I am the balls. Outstanding. Like the best thing I I've ever heard. I want to listen to that again. Let's play it again, okay. shall we? Hi, I'm Joe Donlan. You probably know me from News Channel 8. That's how you build TSL. kind of a big deal. Sure, I co-anchor with a couple of the ladies, but let's be real here. My goal is to take the broad out of broadcasting. It's old school with me, like the age when only men were allowed to read the news. Men like Ron Burgundy. 
The Human Torch was denied a bank loan. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you come in. I'm KGW News Channel 8 Chief Meteorologist Matt Safino. You can see for yourself how influential Ron Burgundy was at Court and Fat Boy's Midnight Movie for April when they show Anchorman on the big screen at the Baghdad Theater. Hi, I'm Russ Lewis from News Channel 8 at Sunrise. And don't forget to bring a lady to Anchorman on Friday because when it comes to Court and Fat Boy's Midnight Movie, 60% of the time... It works every time. Ford and Fatboy present Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy, in a theater that not only serves beer and tater tots, but also scotchies, scotch, scotch. Plus, you'll hear me, Bill Curtis, as the narrator of the story, and I am the balls. <laughs> Brought to you by Cricket Wireless, the Hot Box, and the Rock yeah. of Poland. 101. KUFO. There you go. That's not great. That is so yeah. neat. That's righteous. So well done to those guys. Congratulations wow. on getting Bill Curtis to do that. Um, so Plus those guy, uh, guys from uh, News Channel 8 are usually very straight-laced. It's true. No, they uh, they were able to get some people to say some things that I didn't think you would be able to get them to say. So uh, That's 60% of the time it works every time. That yeah. guy nailed it. Sarah and I were just talking actually during the break about Sarah said, like, Richie did something weird, and Sarah said, I love Richie, and I said, I love Lamp, and then I had this whole thing about, is it too soon, is it, like, because there's that thing when a movie comes out where everybody says the line, but then it falls into disfavor where it becomes corny or a cliche, but then later after time, it becomes classic, and then you can say it again. Like, for a while, we may still be in this period where office space stuff is, is just, it's, 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 it's become a thing you don't say, because it's like, everybody says office space lines. Mm-hmm. Like, initially, we all kind of said, you know, like, TPS reports. And, you know, so case for the Mondays, and then you kind of don't, but eventually, and I think it's going to come within a year or so, office space will, it'll be, it'll, it'll be gold, and then you can say it any time you want. It'll be like Animal House stuff. So I think mm. with Anchorman, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. So I think that right now, Anchorman, it's still relatively new. I don't know. I think I ate a big red candle. So it's it. fantastic. It's it's the, like the best. It's the Every best time movie. anyone says, like, I love, because it makes sense just like, it's just totally like, look at Banner, Michael. Totally. I love lamp. Oh, noises! I mean, it's just I know, I know I'm a guy repeating lines from a Will Ferrell movie, but f you. What are you gonna? Do? It's it's great. What are you gonna do? Here's Tim Riley. Well, it's almost time for the first anniversary of the death of the Reverend Jerry Falwell. Really? Yes. We should get a cake. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The wife uh, has uh, written a book recounting her half century she spent with the Moral Majority Leader. Imagine spending a half century with Jerry Falwell. Her name is Maysell. And her book is entitled Jerry Falwell, His Life and Legacy. It is set to be released May 15th, the first anniversary of his death. <gasps> Are we really having a listener party on the anniversary uh, uh, of his death? So it is the oh first anniversary God. of the death of Jerry Falwell. <laughs> no so we're way. Having a listener party. Yes, I'm afraid so. <laughs> That's so great. Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost like God oh, planned it that have, way. Oh. Like God planned is a special, a special little a present. That is a special treat. Uh-huh. We have to figure out something to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I shouldn't say this, but do you know what else is uh, May 15th? I don't know. May 15th is the day the Emerson Bike Challenge ends. Oh. <laughs> so, so Jerry Falwell died on the, it's the one-year anniversary of our listener party. Yeah. That is so great. Wow. I don't know what I was, we're going to I heard do. you say May, and I, I did not think we'd be so Maybe lucky. it could be a book signing, too. <laughs> that is so... You set up a little card table in the corner? Oh, that's wonderful. I don't know what we're going to do, though. What could we possibly do? We should have a cake uh, shaped like him. And we can all eat his body and drink his blood. Uh, like no, we have, with Jesus. We, should, we could get like a, um, like a, a tombstone cake. Something like that? There you go. A stab it repeatedly. <laughs> That's just weird. Here's Tim Riley. That is kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, Barack Obama said he talks regularly with Al Gore 
and would consider putting him in a cabinet-level position or even higher. He said he would. And not only would he, he will make a commitment that Al Gore will be at a table and play a central part in figuring out how to solve the uh, problems of the climate. The only position higher than the cabinet post is vice president, and while Obama seemed to dangle that possibility in this answer, he repeatedly said it is far too early to discuss potential vice presidents because the nomination has not yet been won. It is not clear uh, that Gore, who had a job for eight years under Bill Clinton, would even want to be vice president again. Since leaving the White House, he has gone on to become one of the nation's leading voices for combating greenhouse gases, and uh, which are the blame for global warming. His work earned him a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, if you're growing marijuana, probably not a good idea to call police to complain about your neighbor's cat. A man in Ridgefield, Washington, learned that the hard way. Police came to his house to talk to him about his complaint. And when he stepped outside and closed the door, the officer already smelled the pot and uh, later asked the judge to grant him a search warrant. When officers raided the house two days later, they found 84 growing pot plants as well as dried and packaged marijuana. The unidentified man told police he was growing it for someone who was authorized to use it, but the authorities say the amount far exceeds such uh, what a patient would be allowed to use. The man was arrested, but deputy prosecutors are considering filing criminal charges. A nine-foot-long alligator that blocked traffic on a South Florida highway will end up on the menu. On a highway where, Tim? Florida. This is copyright sound of Rick Emerson Show. And on store shelves. The gator has been sold to All-American Gator Products for $280. That's not very much for a gator. The processing facility's gator. owner says the gator's meat will be uh, breaded and deep-fried from the menus of two restaurants. Its hide will be turned into designer shoes and wallets, and its bones will be used to make soup. Alligator meat's really good. I feel really bad for it, animals it, sometimes. It, its feet will be used as a back-scratcher, and its teeth will become earrings. Are you making this up? <laughs> Well, it deputy... sounds like it's being really overly punished for being in the road. A Broward County Sheriff's deputy tried yelling at the gator yesterday morning to scare it back into a canal. Tried but yelling, he... but he wouldn't budge. I tried to reason with the alligator. <laughs> the All-American Gator Products is uh, usually where large and nuisance gators end up. The facility pro its uh, feet will be made into back scratcher. Yeah. Uh, they process two thousand gators a year. <laughs> and all of these have been previously threats to public safety. <laughs> it's from the AP. <laughs> I just, that's well, they're not letting any piece of it go to waste. No. Really, that sounds like a lesson to the others. Is they what were that mad because like. the alligator so, was in the road? Yes. Designer shoes and wallet. And they tried to yell at it, but that didn't work. Its bones will be used to make soap. Its feet will be turned into back scratchers, and its teeth will become earrings. Really, that's... That is Voice a thing. not, want not. Is it, I guess so. And then he kills their parents and their parents' friends and people who owe the money. That is like an overkill. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I am not a. I'm not a vegetarian. I am an omnivore and I eat meat and all that. But I really. This is why. It seems I, like it's a little unfairly punished. <laughs> I can see if it, like ate a small well, child. Or stubborn. You see that animal? Eh, it's a life, you know. And it's worth only two hundred eighty dollars <laughs> for all of that. Yeah. Jesus. That's one of those stories that makes you root for the animals to win, though. Really. When we're Killing something and making its bones into soap and its feet into back scratchers. <laughs> that's, that's really where you start rooting for the alligators just to swarm through a daycare. <laughs> uh, oh, what are you going to do? Okay. A Pennsylvania woman is charged with endangering her children by sending them to school with head lice, even if they were warned to be cleaned up. 26-year-old Nicole Lynn Holmes was sent to jail to await a preliminary hearing. For head lice? Yeah. She ignored several warnings to clean the head lice out of her children's hair. She refused oh, to do so. I refuse. I refuse to make my children lice-free. 
Who refuses to take the lights off their children? This woman from Belvern in Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, they're taking a freedom away. <laughs> it's part of every American's right to be covered in insects. Could be worse. You could be a Florida gator. Uh... Your people will be used as back scratchers. <laughs> that really is great. And somebody Terrible. came up with that idea. They sat in the boardroom saying, we still have the feet left. Wait, any suggestions? Left. Hey, can I, speaking of, we still have the feet left. <laughs> can I ask you something? Sure. No, man, this is a sincere question. <laughs> Spe- speaking of, we still have the feet. Um, so they had a focus group. Here before me are some alligators' feet. Anybody have any ideas? It's like that scene in Apollo 13 where they're just dumping everything on the table. What can we make out of this? <laughs> That's fantastic. What, what was your question? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think, Tim, my question, speaking of we still have the feet, Michael, my, my, <laughs> we still have another hour of the program to go. We'll never make it through. <laughs> Boy, this world is stupid. <laughs> my, my we get paid to do this. There were people out there doing manual labor. So they would just sit here and talk about what to do with the feet of alligators. It doesn't even seem possible. Okay, let's all keep it together. Uh, okay, the question was what? Pardon me. My question was, this isn't as dumb as it sounds, by the way. Okay, here we go. Do chicken have lungs? Of course they do. Okay. Do chickens, I guess chickens. Yeah, look at, do chicken have lungs? Chicken, <laughs> look at Banner, Michael. Do children have lungs? <laughs> um, do chickens have lungs? Of course they do. Okay, then, Tim Riley. Unless they have, like, rib meat? Smarty guy. If chickens have lungs, my wife asked me this yesterday, and I didn't have the answer. If chickens have lungs, why aren't the lungs uh, part of, uh, why are the lungs missing when you get a whole chicken? Because there's that bag that has all the... All the organs, right? No well, lungs. Don't you see, like, chicken rib meat? But that rib, your ribs aren't lungs. <laughs> I know they're not lungs, but... I'm saying when you get... But, when, harness in but you know, when you get a chicken, there's that bag where it's, like, all the internal organs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, giblets and so forth. You know, the heart and the whatever. Save I the neck for me, chicken. Clark. It's the best part. Where? Why aren't the chicken lungs in there? Ah, not so funny chicken, now, is The it? chicken's lungs... I, she asked the question, do chickens have lungs? And I said, yes, well, they do. why? And then she said, then why when you get a chicken and there's that whole bag of chicken, the internal organs? They have small lungs, lungs. plus nine air sacs. Okay, but, but they don't well, even... Well, maybe you just don't recognize them as lungs. Maybe they're in there, but they just look like big they look like something pieces else. of chicken. They just look like... Right. They just look, I mean, they're, they're too small to, to uh, be bothered with. So they're not they're not big enough to deep fry, for example. No. Oh, you want deep fried chicken lungs? What's wrong? I with don't. You? I'm not saying that I do, but someone. Well, what about a turkey? A turkey's giblets. Some who, who came up with the plan to, to turn them into gravy? And that is an interesting question. Uh, that gross. must be the worst job on earth, by the way, being the guy who has to shove giblets into a bag and then back into the turkey mm-hmm. or into the chicken or the whatever whatever the the bird is you're eating. I mean, we've all had bad jobs, but really, and I know that. As Bruce Williams says, there is honor in all human labor. But really, that's got to be one of the worst jobs on earth. What is your job? My job is to shove the chicken intestines back into this bag and then back inside the chicken. And by the way, I do this 500 times an hour, 40 hours a week. That's really got to be one of your singularly bad uh, employments. Yeah, no one's ever <laughs> thought about a chicken's lungs before. No. Well, let's take one of random call about of all the chicken. Of all the chickens and all the gin joints, uh, let's do a couple <laughs> chicken calls. Then we'll break. We'll come back with... James Roop, 
Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, that bag holds things that people actually want to eat out of a chicken. So, like, the small intestines, the stomach, gone. So what is in the bag? Give us the complete contents of the chicken giblet bag. Go. I'm not a chicken expert. I just know what's not <laughs> in there because I've had to kill a chicken or two. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Yeah, it just includes the more edible organs like the heart, the liver, I think the gizzard. It does, include, does not include lungs, intestine. Can I ask you a question? Body functions. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What's a gizzard? Gizzard would be the, the chicken stomach because they, they eat pebbles and it's in the gizzard. It's kind of a muscular thing that grinds. Oh, that's right. Grinds okay, it's like rocks. A, that, that, that is, that is right. rocks to grind. That's kind of cool, actually. That's one of those things they teach you in science that you that is really cool where they swallow rocks and then the rocks stay in the stomach and grind up their food for them. That's kind of badass, actually. That's what the gizzard does. Excellent. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Bye now. Well, there you go. Salt. There you go. Done and done. Who says we don't solve the problems of the community? Somewhere in the factory, big bucket full of lungs. All right. Back after this, ladies and gentlemen. They should figure out a way to make a back scratcher out of this. We'll be back after this with uh, James Roop, the top five more from Tim Riley. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Go nowhere. Lacey didn't have an Lacey Turner uh, who works here in our PSA department. Um, apparently, she didn't have an answer about the chicken lung thing. She just wanted to come by and tell us to quit talking about it because it was start, uh, turning her stomach. Oh, okay. Well, I saw her making faces in the window. Yeah, apparently, we were uh, we were nauseating her. Why? Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Coming up here in just a short while, we will uh, have with today's top five top five songs that are a lot darker and/or creepier than they sound. Uh, Tim Riley returns. Like us at three. Donna Mike at seven. Did my suggestion make it? What? Did my suggestion? What was your suggestion? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's on there. Awesome. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen from Los Angeles. Welcome out of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. CNN correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you, brother? How's life? Life is beautiful. Excellent. What's the What's the weather like? About 68 degrees, a little cloudy sky is about to have six hours of rain. Coming <sighs> well, see, there you go. There's a small, think of it as us uh, sending Portland your way. A Thank small you. taste of the Northwest. Hey, did you feel that earthquake this morning? No. Uh, Tim had something about that, but I, where was it? Out by the coast, maybe? No. Uh, or It's quite possible that he talked about it and I wasn't listening, I guess, but I, how big was it? Five point something. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was significant, but I think it was in the ocean. Would it have caused any sort of like interesting destruction? Uh, it depends on where it hits. I mean, if it's if it's one of those earthquakes where they, like, later on the TV, they show a bridge and it's waving back and forth like a rubber band, that's the kind of thing I care about. No, I think it was one of those, hey, wh- what was that? Yeah, one of those, do you feel something? No? I guess not. Uh, back to sleep. Is that a, yeah. Did our neighbor walk across the lawn again? <laughs> exactly. Is that, or... one of, is that guy idling that El Camino on high again up front? The There's that, or if I feel like it's going to create a tsunami large enough to wipe out the, you know, the West Coast. Those are the oh, ones you, I care No, about. you have to stay at work. Yeah, that's that's that's, <laughs> that's it. the bottom line. I'll just, <laughs> say, I'm not going to be allowed to go home. They're going to make me stay and yeah. do overtime. Uh, all right. <laughs> hey, who stalks John Cusack? Uh, you know, honestly, if you remember this lady or not, Emily Leatherman. No, you Le- remember her? She's been around for a while. She's Leatherman. Well known Leatherman, like in the Leatherman. Uh, like the Leatherman from the Village People. Yeah. Well, cool. Okay, that's it. Uh, yeah, she. Uh, this is the same lady 
that because you know, I went back and looked at my stuff that we talked about last year. She was arrested outside Tom Cruise's house for violating a, a restraining order, and uh, she was arrested outside John Cusack's home. I guess uh, late Sunday night, early Sunday morning, or early Monday morning. Uh, she tossed a bag over onto his property. Head. You know, some weird crap in it. Somewhere like a voodoo doll made out of somebody else's yeah. hair. I was like uh, some uh, letters, a rock, you know. <laughs> Here's some love letters, also a stone. It's a rock. It's my favorite rock. Here's it's some for dirt. you, John. I love yeah. you. He just doesn't seem like a guy that you would, like Tom Cruise, I guess I can sort of see, because at one point he was sort of, he was the it guy. Mm-hmm. Uh John Cusack, I mean, he's a good actor, seems like a nice guy, but I, he just doesn't seem stalkworthy. Yeah, he, uh, he plays, he's like, like an everyman kind of guy. Yeah, you know? doesn't, doesn't seem like the kind of guy that you'd really get all that wrapped well, up I in. Well, I guess, you know, I guess, you know, she can't make it with, you know, Tom Cruise. She's she, downgrading. She, <laughs> she just went she'll, be, she'll be stalking John Stamos next. <laughs> she went to the bargain basement. See <laughs> what she can find down there. <laughs> she'll be at Jim Belushi's house <laughs> after that. <laughs> yeah, there's really nobody good left to stalk. <laughs> she'll be in, she'll be stalking. She'll just be wandering the streets of Branson, Missouri. Wow. Looking for Randy Williams. Yeah. Hey, boy. Talking about Branson, Missouri. You want to see something uh, weird and surreal and depressing? Go to the homepage of Yakov Smirnov. Um, You're and kidding. He's still alive. He is still alive and in Branson, which is, uh, as he might say, what a country. Because the idea that a Russian immigrant. I mean, and still most of his shtick is is about the differences between Russian and American culture, but he has done the most American thing of all. He has a he has his own theater that runs year round in Branson, Missouri. And it's weird to think that when that guy was growing up wherever he was growing up in Russia, that you know, the idea that someday he would have a theater in Branson, Missouri. I mean it really is the the most American turnout for that guy in some ways. Branson is kind of Branson is kind of America in a horrible way. Do you know what I mean? Welcome to Yakovs. dot com. Yeah. Oh my gosh, look at it. And there's a picture of him dressed up as the Statue of Liberty at one point, holding sparklers. It's all very great and sad. So I mean, you know, it's a gig. He's got his own theater, I guess. You know, so it pays. It, it's it, working. It, it, I mean, as I was going to say, you know, what every day he does that is a day he's not digging a ditch somewhere. So, I mean, really, I uh, I should be planning for that right now. I'm planning my own Branson theater. Some sort of. I should be working. Uh, okay. I buy tickets, man. Well, I'm just here's here. Okay, this is a great idea. One of my, one of the thousands of great ideas I have every year that I do nothing with. Um, there ought to be, and uh, if Aaron Duran is listening out there, they ought to start now creating some Gen X uh, Branson, Missouri. You know what I mean? Because, like, the Branson, Missouri, you know, that one, you know, it's all for, like, the 50 and up crowd, basically. You know, it's all, like, a lot of Andy Williams guys who end up there. Yeah. Uh, they ought to start doing one now for the younger set, uh, where it would be like, um, you know, you get a bunch of musical acts from the 80s that, you know, that didn't, you know, were big, but then just kind of faded away. Like, you get those right said Fred, I'm too sexy guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, who else? You get... Uh, like uh, some low, like like some low grade Paula Abdul knockoff. You get like your Kathy Dennis. You get your Timmy T. You know one of those guys out there doing three shows a day. Uh, you get oh here's another one. You get um, God who is the uh, um, oh his name is escaping me. Uh, he is a comedian from the '80s who well that narrows it down. <laughs> Never mind. I guess he's not even big enough to be in Branson. I can picture him right now. He's the guy in Singles. The uh, the guy in the dating ad, the black guy that says, "I'm very precise." And as you can see from my painting, as you can behind. see, he's that guy. Um, is it? Uh, he's a comedian. Is it Mario Joyner? Is that who I'm thinking of? 
I don't know. I don't think I recognize him from anything else. Oh, am I doing the, am I doing the court and fat? You're, you're not thinking about Robert Townsend. Are am you? I doing the party foul? Am I confusing my black actors? Um, <laughs> the uh, Robert Townsend, but that's another guy because you know, and he his whole thing is impersonation. He does a lot of characters. I'm telling you right now, some sort of Gen X Branson, Missouri. That's a great idea. You get that rolling right now. So you know, I would love that. Just uh, I'm just gonna throw that out there in the money making world. All I ask is uh, that somebody reserve a stage for me. That's all. <laughs> that's it, brother. You know, that's. Do you want just, the early show or the late show? Uh, late. I would prefer <laughs> afternoon, perhaps early evening. <laughs> the late, the late show's four. Exactly. I want the late show four o'clock. <laughs> the late show, just in, in time so you can hit the buffet and get yourself lots of starch. <laughs> I gotta make it to that mashed potato dinner later on the night and get me a shrimp cocktail. <laughs> hey, can I just tell you this? Speaking of shrimp cocktail, so I was at um. Uh, I was, and that's what the whole show would be at four o'clock. Me just saying one thing that makes no sense, leading into another thing that is not connected to anything. Everybody going, oh, guys, very funny. That's great. Woo! Um, the uh, I went to see Twenty One on Sunday. That movie, Twenty One. Any good? No, it's terrible. Oh, no kidding. It's it's awful. Um, and don't get me wrong. I read the book uh, that it was based on, Bringing Down the House. Uh, the book was great, if a little far fetched. Um, the movie is. I mean, Kevin Spacey's okay, but he's kind of phoning it in, you know, because it's it's him and a bunch of nobodies. I mean, it's like Kate Bosworth, I guess, but it's Kevin Spacey and a bunch of no-names. So you can tell that, like, he didn't have to work very hard to be the best thing in the movie, so he didn't work very hard. Like, when, like if you see Kevin Spacey in uh, Glengarry Glen Ross, yeah. he's really working because he's on the stage with Al Pacino and Jack Lemmon and Alan Arkin. Sure. You see uh, Kevin Spacey in 21, he's doing the bare minimum, just enough to be better than the other actors, and that's not a whole lot. Uh, and it's just, it's not even, it, I was thinking it'd be like a good made-for-TV, kind of cheesy, fun movie. It's just terrible. You're sitting there, and it's like, they're winning all this money on the screen, and you're just thinking to yourself, I just paid $15 to see this. It was based on a true story, from what I understand. Based on a book by Ben Mesrich, who claims that he sort of lived it. He was in the MIT guy, right? MIT card yeah. counters for Blackjack. Uh, and it is apparently a true story. I've seen the teacher interview, this guy named Mickey Cantor, who was the teacher on whom Kevin Spacey is based. Don't call me dude. Um, but it's just a terrible film. And I saw Ocean's Eleven the night before, and that made it worse because Ocean's Eleven is like the best film I've seen in forever. It's just so stylish and just cool. And now, you've seen the original. Ocean's I have. 11, I have. How, how do you? What do you? How do you compare them? That's because that's the only one I'd ever seen for a long time. I'd only seen the Rat Pack version, mm -hmm. and I liked it. And then I saw finally uh, Ocean's Eleven this weekend. I had it on DVD forever, but I didn't watch it. And I think they're different movies. I think you, you got to sort of put them in different categories. The Sinatra one is cool because it's the Rat Pack. Really, to be honest, in terms of entertainment, uh, the, the new one is better. Yeah, for me. I, it's, it's a little more sophisticated, I think. And just the original Ocean's Eleven is kind of long, and it kind of drags, actually, to, to be honest. I mean, they carry it because they're cool, but the new one is very elegant, very stylish. I mean, I say new one, it was seven years ago, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great film. It really is. But so I watched Ocean's Eleven, and then the next day I went to see 21, and it was like no comparison. I mean, it's... <laughs> You see any Vegas movie after watching Ocean's Eleven, and it's going to suck. So yeah. uh, what was my point? Oh, but so I'm watching 21, and, of course, uh, whole sections of the film take place in Vegas at um, uh, the Riviera where they're gambling. And first of all, you got to wonder how much the Riviera got paid because one of the plot – and I'm not giving anything away. It's in the trailer. One of the plot twists in, in this is, like, Lawrence Fishburne – who's a security guard at the Riviera, like, beating this guy senseless in a chair down in the boiler room for counting cards. <laughs> counting cards in my casino! Wham! Breaks his teeth. And then they show, like, big stuff, Riviera! And you kind of like, well, 
how hard is the Riviera for publicity that the best exposure they can get is that you will be beaten savagely by a security guard for counting cards? Counting cards is not illegal, which is, by the way. Which is legal, yeah. It's so. not illegal. They can't. They can ban you. They can ban you. That's you know, the thing. But they cannot. Yeah. That you cannot be prosecuted or beaten. Yep. For counting cards. Uh, what they do is they come up and they say, "Hey, it looks like you're having a great, uh, you know, time. Get a lot of luck. Congratulations on your winnings. Enjoy your stay in Vegas. But we would like it to not gamble here anymore." Right. Uh, and so forth. But while I'm the only. Here's how bad the movie was. As I'm watching 21 and they're spending all this time in Vegas, all I could think about uh, once they showed a shot of one of the buffets is like, oh, I want a shrimp cocktail. And for the rest for the rest of the movie, that's all I could think about was the taste of a shrimp cocktail. And I don't even really like shrimp cocktail. I mean, it's you know I can take it or leave it. For the rest of the movie though, I kept telling myself like, we gotta get out of here and find a place that has shrimp cocktail. That was it. Did so, you? No, I, I never did. <laughs> That's the end. I, I never got a shrimp cocktail. All the <laughs> That's then. Then I didn't do it. The end by Rick Emerson. Hey, was the guy you were thinking of Bernard Bentley? I don't know who that is. Because that's the that's the black act, black actor from. Singles. Well, no, I'm thinking of Mario Joyner. Why am I thinking it's Mario Joyner in Singles then? Mario Joyner and he's a guy. Uh, he's a good friend of Jerry Seinfeld, and so he does. Seinfeld kind of brings him along into a lot of his projects. If you watch some Seinfeld projects, you'll see Mario Joyner there. Uh, because he, he sort of lucked out knowing Seinfeld. I mean, he's a funny guy, but Seinfeld clearly feels like he ought to have been bigger than he was, and so Seinfeld puts him in a lot of his projects. Hmm. Okay, well, I'm thinking of Mario Joyner then. Well, whatever. Uh, I'm thinking of Flip Wilson. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm thinking of. <laughs> yes. Am I confusing them? I'm thinking of Nipsey Russell. <laughs> All right, we've gone as deep as we can go now. All right, I got nothing. The, the moral is don't stalk John Cusack. Yeah. Because you can get arrested. The, the end. All right, are you on tomorrow? Yes, yes right. I am. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow, brother. It's a felony. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye now. Bye. Jim Roop in Los Angeles, ladies and gentlemen. I dig that guy. I know. Fantastic. It's true, I do. I, I know you do. Felt it was important to say that. One more call, then we'll break. We'll come back. Tim Riley and the top five songs that are darker and creepier than they sound. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, I'll make it quick. Hey, I watched a movie last night. I called The Bridge. Have you seen that? I have. The Bridge, that's a that's a singularly depressing film. Yeah, I had to put in The Mist just to cheer myself up. Because <laughs> we watched it because we had just been in San Francisco, and I went, hey, San Francisco movie, documentary, suicide, can't be too bad. Of course. Single, probably probably one of the better documentaries I've seen. So I was just curious if you had seen it. Yeah, The Bridge. Go ahead. I recommend. I, you know, it was good. They did a good job of not making it, not glorifying, not glorifying it. I guess would be the best way to. Put yeah, the it, so. the bridge is what this guy did. Is he put, a, he stationed a bunch of cameras pointing at the Golden Gate Bridge for one year because 24 people on average jump every year. Oh. And then they made a whole documentary, and during the film, you see a bunch of people jump off the Golden Gate Bridge right to their doom. And did uh, you watch? Did you watch the DVD? I did. Yeah. Watch the, them interview the people that were the film that filmed that were on shift during that. No, unfortunately, I had rented it and I, I was going out of town and didn't want to incur late fees, uh, so I had to return it before I got to watch any of the special features. That is worth. That was almost as good as the movie itself because the emotional toll it uh, took. But hey, and then the other thing, hey Sarah, I've got a question for you. Yes. What happened to AK-47? Oh, my friend uh, Corey, he he actually just opened a new deli on um, Hawthorne. Um, oh. the east side deli on 47th and Hawthorne, and uh, he didn't have he ended up running out of time, and uh, so he wasn't able to maintain the website anymore. That's too bad. My my son, I'm a junior high school age kid, single handedly got all the clothes banned from their school. So, Excellent. Uh, 
Awesome. Congratulations. Pass, pass along our congrats to him. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Ray. Bye now. There you go. Hey, you remember that, those clothes? I do. That's a good website. Well, I didn't know that was him. Mm-hmm. Oh, now they're gone. And now well, they're collector's gone. items now. That's true. I Hold have on to all your stuff. <laughs> all right. Back after this uh, with Tim Riley and the top five songs that are darker than they first seem. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's like, I want to drink it, but I don't want to ruin it. Brondo is the thirst mutilator. It has electrolytes. Yeah. Does uh, your friend Joel drop this off? Thank you, Joel. Yeah. Brondo's got what plants crave. Brondo's got electrolytes, and that's what plants crave. They crave electrolytes, which is what Brondo has. Electric lights. That's why plants crave Brondo, not water, like from the toilet. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Go see Idiocracy now. Brando... It's at brondo.com. Uh, Idiocracy out on DVD. Sadly lacking in special features, which is too bad because I would love to hear Mike Judge here about how the studio screwed him repeatedly and relentlessly on that film. Anyway. This is going up on my mantle. Welcome to Carl's Jr. Go F yourself. Here's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Air France says it is launching a trial of full in-flight mobile phone service only on selected European routes. Yep. Uh, the Air France said the service allows positive feedback after three months of trials of in-flight mobile services, allowing passengers to send and receive text messages and emails. Now, wait, is this, uh, but do you have to use like a certain provider? I mean, I know it's only a certain flight, but I mean, is it like one of those things where it's, just, it's the phone on the seat in front of you, or is it like your Let's own see, cell phone? It says here... It sounds like it's it's your own cell phone because the new trial will determine whether travelers are as interested in expanding new service, noting that some passengers may prefer not to have flights disrupted by fellow passengers' phone calls. That is an interesting point. Okay, let's go around the room here. Uh, if Would you or would you not uh, be in favor of cell phone use being allowed on planes? Would not be. Because you, you like the privacy. You like the idea that people can't do it. Yes. Okay, Sarah? Mm. It, the, the other problem is... That you have to think about. A lot of times, planes make noise. If you're listening to stuff, sometimes when you can't get the volume, you can barely right. hear it due to the noise in the plane. So if people are talking on the phone, they're going to be screaming. It'll be really loud. That is true. And people already talk louder than they need to into cell phone. Even I do it. I was just talking on the cell phone in the hallway. I and heard like, you with the door closed. So anyway, Terry, you know, <laughs> just like shouting into the phone. Okay, fair enough. I don't know because I'm, here's the thing. I don't think I would use my cell phone on a plane, although, you know, everybody says that, and then they do. Um, but... And I don't like the idea of people on the plane running their mouth next to me. On the other hand, you know how much I hate the no cell phone rule because it's just stupid, because it's bad science. It's just lazy, stupid, non-scientific thinking that they try to pass off. It's like your cell phone will crash the plane. Mm -hmm. I, I think I'm in favor of it only because I want to see the airplane and the airline industry have to admit that they've just been wrong this whole time. I think that's why I like the idea, because I want to see them admit that they've just been lying about that. Mm -hmm. So, all right, I'm torn on it. All right. So that's that. I'm torn. Nothing's going right. I'm all out of time. Yes. What are we doing next? 
Top five. Oh. Here's your top five. For, five. Uh, yeah. Four, oh, and then we got a guy in the line who's going two, to Vegas tomorrow. One, oh. So five. you, sir, who's going to Vegas tomorrow, stay there. We'll talk to you just a, a skosh. I'm going in a week and two days. That's right. Are you excited? Yes. you got to bet on black for me. Okay. I heard that you should always bet on black. Always bet on black. Yeah. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count, don't you? All we're getting now are suggestions for how to work Jerry Falwell's death into the listener party. God bless you all. That's a gift from the Lord. <laughs> it really is. Sometimes good things do happen, Tim. You betcha. Here's your top five. By the way, I'm warning you in advance. Top five, big buzzkill. Big downer, this top five. So be listening to this on a strong day. So, seriously, don't. Don't be like, I didn't know it was going to be depressing. So this is made out of depression. Here's your top five. Music, like other forms of art, can be deceptive. What seems to be cheer can be sorrow. What seems to be joy can be bitter, black-hearted despair. Or proof, uh, one need look no further than today's top five. These are the top five songs that are much, much darker than they sound. Top five songs much, much darker than they sound. i got to give uh, thanks to many members of the audience who submitted things for this. Mm. We've started now, whenever I know what the next day's top five is going to be, or the next one anyway, I throw it out there and people give suggestions. We had a lot of people weighing with these, and then, of course, as he always does, who helped me with this? God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Bruce Eggler. No, Chris Paddock. Oh. Uh, from KU, but God as well. God, all, I'd like to thank God for this one. All right, especially for the one about heroin. Thank you, God. All right, these are the top five songs that are much, much darker than they would seem. Honorable mention goes to Clint Holmes of The Playground in My Mind. You know, he's on the video as you're leaving Vegas saying thanks for visiting my home. Is that true? Yeah. He says goodbye when you're leaving the Vegas airport. I had no idea. Yep. This is a Chris Paddock suggestion. So this is... That guy has the biggest musical library in his head. Totally. Is this the original or reissue? I think it's a re-recording yeah, by so. the original it artist. Sound like the original I it doesn't, but I think this is him. Yeah. I think this is like that thing how Dobie Gray has covered Drift Away 75 times, because every time the record company screws him, he does a new recording of it. Yeah, these so, aren't the same kids. <laughs> these are different children. You know the, the songs they're now in their no, 40s? No, I've never even This is the only one I could find on short notice. This is a song about a guy who's trying to cheer himself up by thinking about, you know, children. happier days and children in playgrounds. But the song makes him sound like, A, a pedophile, and B, insane. Because he's on a playground in his mind where the children are playing. Close your eyes and follow me where the children and the children Who cheers themselves up by pretending they're on a playground full of children when you're like 50? Yes, it's played on Top 40 radio, which is even weirder. Yeah, this is a re-recording, I think. Yeah, it's not the original. So he is now. We're gonna have a baby, and he's singing yeah. with like a five-year-old girl. It's like so him creepy. and a five-year-old girl. We're gonna get married and have a baby. He is duetting with a five-year-old girl. It'd be funny if he brought back the original kids who now have babies <laughs> to sing along with this with this children. How creepy is this song? But that... it sounds so poppy and so you know whatever. These are the top five songs are much darker than they sound. Uh, Elvis Costello with Veronica. I love this song. It's a great song, if only it weren't so depressing. Mm -hmm. It's a very depressing song. So this is, of course, about an Alzheimer's-ridden woman sitting in a nursing home, remembering how she was mistreated as a youth. Have a great day. Thanks for calling. Great song, though. Real peppy, real poppy. And dark.
What's to be said for a lot of, <laughs> a majority of Elvis Costello's Totally. There's the, and that's the tell that, that the giveaway line, that these days I'm not even sure she remembers her name is Veronica. <sighs> Great song, though. This is off Spike. Uh, Spike is the name of this record. Spike has another really, really depressing song called Let Him Dangle, which is about some kids on death row in Britain. And it's just a, just a bad, a bad thing. It's a, it's a, just a, it's a, it, I mean, it's a great record, but it's just really depressing. It'd be the flip side of a Clinton release. <laughs> Number four, Suzanne Vega with Luca. This is the one that Scotty thought was a real upbeat, like, swinging song about love or whatever. And it's Not so much about the beating. About a savage beating of a child. Listen to that 80s production, that, that Mitchell Froome production on this. I really do like San Vega, uh, Suzanne Vega quite a lot. Uh, my wife's a big fan of her, so I've gotten to hear a bunch of other stuff over the years. Everybody now. My name is Luca. It's such a catchy song about child abuse. I live on the second floor. I live upstairs from you. Great song, though. I mean, it really is a truly great song. But it's like, I will always love you. Where you don't really realize how dark it is. It wouldn't be in like high school musical. No. <laughs> no. <They don't... laughs> no. And this song has that truly awful line about about how she walked into a door again. Which is just I mean, who writes that? Who sings it? Who puts this arrangement on it? And then what what music director years ago? That's gold. Let's Every 90 minutes. On your desk Tuesday. <laughs> Going for ads Tuesday the 5th. <laughs> Already number one rotation at KISS. No, I'm sorry, KIIS. What's the one in L.A., KIIS? Yeah. Yeah. Kid. It's a Rick D's power play. He's not there anymore. No. He's at moving. All my L.A. radio references are really old. He's at their moving station. All right, these are the top five songs much more depressing than they might first appear. Number three, The Last. There she goes. The Laws, ladies and gentlemen. Later covered by Sixpence, None the Richer. And I believe Chris Paddock pointed out used in a feminine hygiene product commercial, I think. Such a such a cheery, bouncy song. Who knows what this song is about? I don't know. Isn't, um, drugs? Yes. Are you just bluffing? No, no, I remember. Cause well, that's I'm... the go-to thing. Like heroin or something? Yeah. It's about this guy's heroin problem, this singer. That line about there she goes again, running through my veins. Mm. Racing through my veins. That's too bad. This would be good to use. Like, <laughs> too bad. Well, let him. That's a shame about his heroin use. Well, it's something that you hear like in a Payless shoe commercial with people smiling walking out, out with boxes. They of did apparently use it in a commercial for some kind of feminine hygiene product. And again, Sixpence on the Ritual, for a Christian band, cover this. It's if you listen. I mean, it's a pretty song. It's a really, really nice, pretty song mm-hmm. about heroin. Ugh. And that thing about how she's calling out my name, and it's all... If you listen to it knowing it's about heroin, it's so creepy. It's like... The, this is one of those songs where the fact that it is so upbeat and peppy is part of what makes it so unbelievably creepy. 
Because, like, at some point, this guy sat down and was like, I'm going to write a song about how I'm a junkie. Let me make it the catchiest, most happy-sounding song I can possibly come up with. Who would have known? Oh, it makes my skin crawl. Top five songs that are much creepier than they might first seem. Tim? Number two, The Beatles, Run For Your Life. Who knows this song? I don't think I do. This song is about John killing a girl because she slept with somebody else. That's kind of fascinating. Opening line, I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man. So peppy, though. Creepy. And then, but then, but then it's, you yeah, know, like it's, a little jaunty. It's got the top of the Pops guitar line. You get the feeling that she's already cheated, so he's already trying to find her to kill her. Is he successful? I don't know. I think it's unresolved. I don't think they ever uh, give that away at the end. I don't think radio programmers really listened to this song when it came out. Sounds good on the radio. I can't really think of a lot of pop songs that contain the line, I'd rather see you dead. I think really there's just this one. Okay. Uh, these are the top five songs which are not nearly as peppy as you might think they are. And before we play number one, let me just say that yeah. just to underscore number one and how not happy a song it really is. I've chosen the most depressing singer and the most depressing arrangement of this song that I could possibly find. So this is a song that everybody knows, everybody sang, uh, everybody has heard a billion times, usually in some really peppy finger-snapping arrangement, often in a Disney film. Uh, I've chosen the bleakest arrangement I could possibly find. Oh, thank find. you, Rick. That's Let really me... thoughtful of Tim? you. Yes. At number one, You Are My Sunshine. This song makes me sad. It's the saddest song ever. Have you ever really no, listened I'm, to the lyrics? I read at, at uh, Timbers games, at Portland Timbers, Timber Jim. Um, we sing that for his daughter who was oh. killed every yeah. every game. Oh, it's all kinds of bad. Everyone has to stay and suffer together. No. Tim's already unplugging his headphones. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Johnny Cash. The other night, dear, yeah. I hate you. as I lay sleeping... I dreamed I held you in my arms When I awoke, dear, I was mistaken So I bowed my head and I cried You are my sunshine, my only sunshine Get out the gun. Tim already left and snuck out. When skies are gray, you'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take trying to leave him with a smile, sunshine sir. Away. So, anywho, 
You know you're a bad person. I'm just saying, they had us sing this in school. It seems like this was in cartoons growing up. It's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere in your childhood. But it's like you only know the chorus, right? Mm-hmm. Like, gro- growing up, you don't ever really hear the stanzas, the verses to it. It's like you just know the chorus, and it's always in, like, some real finger-snapping way. And you don't, like, you sort of stop to examine, you kind of go, well, well, WTF. I've always loved you and made you happy. And nothing else could come between. But now you've left me to love another. You have shattered all of my dreams. That's your top five. Back after this. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. Uh-huh. Thank you. Give me a little pick-me-up. Yes, we do, Sarah. This guy says the judges would also have accepted Jesse's girl. Or maybe lust for life for your top five son, Kevin. Yeah. Oh, I heard you hit that post. That's what I. That's what I do. Deliberate I think I'm becoming yourself. slightly obsessed with the gasoline. People are becoming more and more mad at me for playing. The only them. person who's ever said that. <laughs> well, there's a listener that writes me a lot. His name's Sean. He's and he's always so nice to me, and he is just sending me the meanest emails. Just like I hate you, damn woman, for playing this Excellent. song. How about this, Rick? Hey, thanks for that list. Not only am I getting a divorce, but I'm selling my house in a couple months. Thanks so much. Going to go home and drink some antifreeze now. Glad we could help, sir. This, the great thing about this song is the ironic juxtaposition of the song works every time. We played. It never does. We played this yesterday during that song about the guy who kept his wife's body in a drum for 23 years, and I ended it right on the never going to let you go, never going to say goodbye. That was genius. Let's just keep this going. Uh, let's do some random calls here. Uh, how long we got? Like four minutes? Yep, uh, about three minutes. All right, let's do random calls here to the end of the show. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We'll take random calls till the end of the program. Hi, you're on the Rick. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Rick Emerson, best show ever. Thank you, sir. The uh, the best thing about the number one on that list, uh, freaking you are my sunshine. When I was in grade school. Uh, every month we would make a trip to the local senior citizens, like the nursing home, and that would be the song. We'd sing songs or whatever, but that we'd always sing that dreadful song. Old and people I, love that song. Old people, they they would cry, they would weep, they oh, it's so beautiful, and not realizing that, you know, they'd be stone dead in a moment. You think... <laughs> oh. nothing! I think they may have realized it. You know what, they should have played for them This is what I want sung to me when I'm in the nursing home. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Random calls to the end of the show. Hello. Hey, Rick, thanks for taking my call. I'm Thank a guy you. who's going to Vegas tomorrow. Excellent. Um, I'm actually going to divide my trip between downtown and then a place on the Strip. I'll be in downtown tomorrow. Now, I know that you know your way around that little bit of turf. What must I see? Well, downtown, I mean, uh, downtown is just that whole uh, Fremont Street itself is the sort of experience. So, you know, kind of hit some of the old school casinos. You can see Binion's, which is where the World Series of Poker was for a long time. Um, Do wander toward the El Cortez if for no other reason 
then you want to see a lot of the old school neon signs that they have preserved. Try to be there after dark. Uh, look for some of the stuff that's being preserved by the Neon Museum. And then I cannot speak highly enough of the breakfast buffet at Main Street Station. Main Street Station. Very good. Thank you, my friend. Oh, also, while you're there, on yeah. Fremont Street, look for the little kiosk. It's like a cart in the middle of the street where the guy is selling all the blinged-out T-shirts. It's where I got the Barack Obama shirt. Look for that cart. Oh, cool. i got to get it. Uh, i got to get it. You thanks. know, you got to buy T-shirts in Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thanks, my Travel friend. Travel safe, sir. Thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, what's going on? What's up, I just brother? dropped my I just dropped my boss off the airport, and I've got some prison greeting cards with your name on them. I can have them to you in 20 minutes. Excellent. Uh, can well, do you want to do it? To, would it would tomorrow work better for you? Recommend we're, we're about, the show. We're getting ready sure. to blow here. So, what uh, time do you what time do you want me to come in? Uh, Sarah, what's what, tomorrow? What's tomorrow? Thursday. Thursday. I don't think we have anything scheduled two? tomorrow. Why don't you okay. get, give you around two? Uh, yeah, I can could, I could do that. All right, we'll see you around 2 o'clock tomorrow with the prison greeting cards. Do I need to talk to anyone special or just be like, hey, I'm prison greeting card guy? Uh, Let yeah, me no, in now. The, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, will know who you are. He'll be expecting you. Sweet. All Thank right, you. man. Thank Best you. show ever. Bye. Probably the final call of the day. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, how you doing? Mr. Emerson, I've got a slogan for you for the uh, name of the show. Okay. Uh, it's probably already been said, but... What was the first part of it? What did you say before BAM? 970. 970. 970. BAM. The future of talk radio. Oh, come on. You don't get the Rain Man. uh... I don't. Is there a Rain Man reference there? Oh, big time. What's the Rain Man reference? 97X. Bam. The future of rock and roll. Oh, does he? Is that one of the, like, his little ticks that he says? Yeah. Oh, I'm s- saying it over and over again. Sorry, dude. I, I, oh, I feel like I've disappointed you. Rain Man guy's mad at you. <laughs> okay. Bye now. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to next CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop, Mr. Skin, Lisa Desjardins. I made it sound like Mr. Skin to CNN Radio. You know what I mean. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guests will include uh, Justin, the guy with the prison greeting cards, and Dennis Pitzenbarger. Uh, plus, tomorrow we will announce the location of Rick Emerson Listener Party 11, happening May 15th. 8 p.m. Rick, we might be blessed with special guest Rick Astley as well. You never know. That is also true. Uh, all right. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970, Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley, the phone's Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper's Dave Zinn, Bridget from upstairs, the webmistress, and, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Reynolds. See you all tomorrow. Bye now.